When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. And we have a bad news, good news situation. The bad news is that your favorite morning host, the immensely talented, very highly rated, just ask him, Sid Rosenberg is not heard today because he's off for Yom Kippur. Those of you that are celebrating Yom Kippur, I hope you have an easy fast. The good news is that for the next four hours, you are going to be uh, subject to a news talk extravaganza. I am going to be with you for an hour. I'm Frank Morano. You can normally hear me overnights here on WABC from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. And we are going to pack this hour with more news, information, and content than the all-news stations do all day. And then you are in for a real treat because you have two seasoned New Yorkers who know the ins and outs of not just politics but every aspect of the news better than anybody. From 7 to 10 a.m., not only will my colleague Dominic Carter be here, who does a great job, knows more about local politics, especially what's happening with Menendez than anybody, but our owner, John Katsimatidis, who has kings, queens, presidents, and prime ministers on speed dial, he's going to be here as well. So from 7 to 10, you'll get to hear John Katsimatidis and Dominic Carter. And as I said, uh, you know, John has the idea you'll be talking about any big story in the news, and I'll say, oh, well, let's see what Rudy Giuliani has to think about that. Let's get him on the phone. Uh, let's see what, uh, I don't know, Donald Trump has to say about that. Let's get him on the phone. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go through some of the news that you're going to be hearing about all day. I'm going to go some of the, through some of the news and give you my take on news that broke over the weekend and some stories that I've caught that maybe you didn't hear about elsewhere. By the way, our illustrious president, Chad Lopez, here dark and early. I love it. Now, on the holiday, Chad Lopez is here. Hello, Chad. Good morning, America. We are here. We're live today. Every other station out there, they're, they're doing their, uh, you know, their, their regular best of. But here, we are live. That's and, what John wanted to do. He wanted to keep it live, and he wanted to give you live, up-to-date news and talk. Live and local doesn't get any better than this. And those stations, even when they're even when they're actually on and they are live, they're kind of boring anyway, yeah, right? Exactly. You got to be here. Exactly. Uh, and uh, look at Bo- again, Dominic Carter and John Katzimatidis coming up in about an hour. But want to talk to you about a story that you're going to be hearing about all day. You may have heard about it already. 
There are two new national polls out, one from NBC, the other from ABC News and The Washington Post. By the way, ABC News has no affiliation with this radio station at all. The only thing we have in common is those letters. So good, bad, or indifferent, they're a totally separate entity. Don't say, oh, you're mentioning this ABC News poll because you're owned by the same people. That is not true at all. I'm skeptical of these polls, but there's two things about these polls that I think are interesting. Let me tell you what these results are. They tell a similar story, first of all, about President Joe Biden's weaknesses. They have very different top lines about a potential general election matchup. Listen to this ABC News poll on President Biden's weaknesses per ABC's write-up of this. President Biden's job approval rating is 19 points underwater. His ratings for handling the economy and immigration are at career lows. And a record number of Americans say they've become worse off under his presidency. Three quarters of them say he's too old for another term. And Donald Trump is looking better in retrospect. All severe challenges for Biden for his reelection campaign. And the approval numbers on two big issues are dismal. 30% on the economy, 23% on immigration. By the way, I'd like to meet the 23% that actually think he's doing a good job on immigration. 74% of voters say Biden's too old for a second term. Then there's the NBC poll. And what what stands out in this poll are warning signs for Biden about his age, including an all-time high disapproval of job performance, fewer than four in tens approve of his handling of the economy. But here's where it gets just incredible. ABC News and Washington Post, not exactly two media outlets that are known as being bastions of right-wingerism. Head-to-head, national polls. Now, obviously, I realize we have presidential elections that are conducted on a state-by-state basis, not nationally. But it is interesting and maybe illustrative of where people are. This ABC News, Washington Post poll shows Trump leading Biden 51% to 42%. Now, what's interesting about this is that even though ABC News and Washington Post did this poll themselves, they are running away from the result of it. The Washington Post article on this says, oh, well, the fact that this poll shows such a lead for Trump shows that it's an outlier. And ABC News basically said the same thing on television. They actually are trying to discredit the results of their own poll. The NBC poll showed something a little bit different. They showed bad news for Biden on all those trends that I just mentioned, but they actually showed basically a tie between Biden and Trump. And I do have to tell you, I think wherever you come down on the election, and, you know, I voted for Trump over uh, Biden in 2020, but I do think this is going to be a very close election, even with all the weaknesses that Biden has, with people upset about corruption, people upset about the uh, Hunter Biden situation, people upset about his age, people upset about crime, people upset about the border situation. I do tend to think that this is going to be a very close election, and I think it comes down to four states, Wisconsin, Nevada, uh, Georgia, and uh, the, the the fourth one might be a little bit tough, but it could be Pennsylvania, could be Michigan, but uh, I tend to think it's going to be those four states. 
Trump is obviously ecstatic about this ABC News poll. And the fact that the Washington Post took the unusual step of adding this sort of a major caveat about their own results, this is what the third paragraph of that story says. The sizable margin of Trump's lead in this survey is significantly at odds with other public polls and show the general election contest a virtual dead heat. I have, in a lifetime of observing politics, I've never seen a newspaper try to discredit their own poll like that. I mean, think about that. That would be like if we commissioned a poll, which, you know, radio stations do sometimes, news outlets do sometimes. Chad Lopez says, all right, we're going to commission the WABC, you know, uh, NYU college poll, whatever the case may be. And then the results aren't what the radio station wants. And then we actually says, well, even though this is our poll, well, we don't think you should trust it. I mean, think about the amount of money they spent on this poll only to just not count it. I'm curious if you think these polls are actually accurate or if this ABC News Washington Post poll is an outlier. My view is I think it's tight. I think it's going to be tight regardless. But I don't think we should be making um I don't think we should be making decisions about who to back based on polls. I think you should back whoever you want to back and not be dissuaded because a poll says something or not be moved because a poll says something. If you want to comment, you can. I'd love to hear from you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Here is another interesting story, and it's certainly good news for the Republicans. The mayor of Dallas, Eric Johnson, he has a big op-ed in the Wall Street Journal And he has switched parties from Democrat to Republican in doing so. He does two things in basically the speed of one op-ed. One, he has become the the largest. This is the Republican now that is heading the largest city that's headed by any Republican. Gone are the days, at least for now, when there used to be a Republican mayor of cities like New York or, say, L.A. No. So now... This is the largest city in America that's led by a Republican. And the fact that Eric Johnson happens to be black, this makes Eric Johnson one of the most high-profile black executives that happens to be Republican in the entire country. I am an independent. I voted for a lot of Democrats over the years. I voted for a lot of Republicans. I voted for a lot of third-party candidates. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm rooting for one party or over another. But I think this is great uh, for two reasons. I think it's great for the GOP, and I think it's great for the city of Dallas. Because one of the things that we've seen is that these cities, like New York, for instance, that are led by Democrats – When the Republicans are in power, whether it's a Republican president, as we had with Trump, or a Republican House of Representatives, as we have currently with Kevin McCarthy, they tend to kind of freeze out the cities that are led by Democrats. That's one of the reasons that New York kind of got a raw deal with the tax reform of 2018. President Trump and the Republicans in Congress had no reason to do the GO, the uh, Democrats in New York any favors on tax reform. So we kind of got shafted on that. Imagine if we had a Republican mayor that President Trump or the Speaker of the House had to deal with. I think you would have seen a very different situation in terms of tax reform. The other reason I think this is good is that so much of the GOP agenda omits 
cities. What do you hear people talking about in these debates? You hear them largely talking about issues that are affecting rural America, the suburbs. They're annoying. Uh, they're ignoring an urban agenda. And I think having some high profile Republicans representing big cities in the GOP, I think it's good for the GOP and I think it's good for cities. That's my two cents. 800-848-9222. Last thing that I'll mention on the political front, because there's a lot of other news beyond politics that uh, that we, we can get to. And, you know, I like to do that. Politics is certainly important, but a lot of things happening beyond politics. I cannot believe that we are on the precipice of another government shutdown. And this is one of those situations. It's like alien versus predator. Whoever wins, you lose, because this is going to be bad news for the capital markets. In my view, this is going to be bad news politically for the people that get blamed for the shutdown. And you really can't blame Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans. Really, this is a situation where you have 20 people, 20 people uh, that are going to cause a shutdown of the government. And if you want to go to a national park or make sure your social security check is not interrupted or do all the things that government is supposed to be doing and not have to worry about uh, whether or not it gets done or not, if you're a so-called non-essential worker, this is all going to be affected by this government shutdown. Maria Bartiromo was on uh, Fox News yesterday. She does this great show called Sunday Futures, and she's conservative. I think we have seen that time and again. She was interviewing Matt Gates yesterday, and they really got into it on the question of whether there's going to be a government shutdown, and if there is, who's to blame for it? Here's Matt Gates and Maria Bartiromo. So to push now to blow up all of the wins that you all have had now. Which wins? Please enumerate them. Well, okay. Well, how about the fact that he has set up a weaponization committee to investigate the DOJ, whether they're involved in a cover-up? That's how about the process. fact that he is hold on. Wait how about the fact that he hold on. How about the fact that he has set up the China Select Committee to keep China to account? And of course, he has launched this uh, inquiry into impeachment potentially for President Biden. Is that not what you want? None of those things are deliverables. Those are steps in a process. Setting up a committee is an end unto itself only in Washington, D.C. The American people demand results. Hold on, I'll let you talk. Okay, go ahead. These these committees have done nothing to reduce inflation. They've done nothing to actually constrain the Biden government. We can set up committees and have hearings and yell at people, but at the end of the day, if we still send the check to fund a weaponized government, having a weaponization subcommittee is little relief to the American American people. And if any of this was serious, we would be sending out subpoenas and compelling process the way the January 6th committee did. We should yeah. be operating like them. Instead, we're playing patty cake with the Bidens. We're allowing Actually, them to get away with it. And we're yeah. funding it. We're sending the money. If we were serious, use this, the power of the purse. The speaker joined me a week ago and told me that he will, in fact, subpoena Hunter Biden. He said at the appropriate time. But let's be well, clear. Been eight months. We when when do you think the appropriate we would not know How many any months do the American people have to wait before that subpoena is sent? You tell me. We would, we would not know any anything that we know about the Biden family. 176 suspicious activity reports, 20 shell companies set up while he was vice president, the whistleblower testimony. We would not know any of this if not for those committees that he set up exposing all of this. We just right, heard from Merrick Garland still last it. week. But you, you have to follow that to its natural conclusion. It's not enough to expose facts that get people angry and animated. You then have to follow those facts to a conclusion and to accountability.
I have to say, I like Matt Gates. I like that he's independent. He votes kind of the way I would vote on a lot of issues, especially related to foreign policy. I like that he's young, brash, doesn't go by anybody else's rules. I think he is – I hate that he was kind of uh, dragged through the mud over some fake sex scandal. I think he is absolutely wrong on this, and I think Mar- Maria Bartiromo and Brian Kilmeade, who you can hear every day from 10 a.m. to noon right here on WABC, they're absolutely right. They're prepared, the Freedom Caucus folks and Matt Gates, to shut down this government over almost nothing. Did you hear Matt Gates there? It was like you can't – he would – whatever you told him – he just pivots and say, oh, well, okay, we're doing it because of this. We're doing it because of that. I don't see a government shutdown being a win for the Republicans at all. And more importantly, I don't see it being a win for the country. If you want to comment, you can, 800-848-9222. If you're just waking up, if you are starving because you are mid-fast Yom Kippur and you are wondering where, oh, where has my Sid Rosenberg gone, he's going to be back tomorrow not to worry. Frank Morano with you until 7. Dominic Carter going to be with John Katzmatidis from 7 until 10. And good news for you if you are a fan of Drew Barrymore or The Talk or Bill Maher or any of these TV talk shows that no one is really watching anymore because they're all listening to radio. This is actually very good news for the economy at large. The Hollywood writers and studios have reached a tentative deal to end the strike after nearly 150 days. This is great news. Forgetting about the fact of what it means for your favorite television show or movie coming back into production. This is great news for the economy because when these movies aren't filming, when these TV programs aren't filming, it means a lot more than the TV show doesn't get filmed. It means the TV show doesn't get filmed. Think about what that means for the craft services people. Think about what that means for the costume design folks. Think about what that means for the set design folks. Think about that what that means for every aspect of this production. Uh, so this still has to be officially ratified, but I certainly think it's good news. Uh, I uh, am happy that uh, they're going to be coming back soon. 800-848-9222. And how could you miss it? The political and legal story du jour broke on Friday, as predicted, by the way, by yours truly on Thursday, hours before it happened. I was on News Nation with Dan Abrams. We were talking about the case involving New Jersey's senior senator, Bob Menendez, and Dan Abrams asked me, do you think there's going to be an indictment? My answer was an unequivocal yes. He says, really? As if he was surprised. I said absolutely, because if there's one thing the DOJ hates, it's being beat. And the fact that Menendez has embarrassed them, not once, but twice. Everybody talks about that trial, but people forget about the fact that he was investigated by them and they wanted to indict him 10 years ago. They couldn't even get an indictment. But um, Bob Menendez, now under investigation while running for re-election, he's up for re-election next year. This is going to be really interesting because... There's a very different situation as compared to 2016, the last time he went on trial. What's different politically now? What's different politically is there was a Republican governor back then. So that meant if Christie, if um, Menendez resigned back in 2016, Christie would have appointed a Republican. So what did you see in 2016? You saw Democrats from up and down the state, up and down the whole country, saying that they were standing behind Bob Menendez and he shouldn't go. And he didn't go. They stood with him in solidarity, and ultimately he was acquitted after a hung jury. This time around, if Menendez resigns, a Democrat, Phil Murphy, gets to appoint 
his replacement. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, my track record on predictions is not great, but here's one that I think you could take to the bank. Phil Murphy is term limited. Phil Murphy desperately wants to be president of the United States. He cannot run next year if Biden's running. He says he's not going to run. We'll see what happens. But if they are successful in getting Menendez to resign, you know who I think Phil Murphy appoints? Phil Murphy. I do believe he would appoint himself to that seat if there's a resignation. So, so far now, you have Murphy calling for him to resign. You have uh, Mikey Sherrill calling for him to resign. Many members of the Democratic Party all calling for him to resign. Interestingly enough, it's the reverse situation of where we were six years ago, because now it's the Republicans who don't want him to resign. Before we go to break, I want you to listen to this exclusive interview that uh, John Katzmanzidis and Rita Cosby did with New Jersey Republican Chairman Bob Hugan on Friday, in where he talks about he doesn't want Menendez to go. He wants him to stand for re-election next year. Listen to this, Bob Hugan. What's going to likely happen if they play the game they want, they're going to extend it for another four or five weeks, and he's up for re-election in 24. So he will, Governor Murphy will appoint a successor like Governor Christie did when uh, Frank Lautenberg died. And that person will either run or not run in 24. And let's be clear what's going to happen. This is a, you have a great show here and I don't want to tell you stuff that I think is going to happen. They're going to appoint somebody who's going to be much more difficult to beat than Bob Menendez. And then we're going to be stuck with somebody. Menendez will be 70 in January. He's got, even if he wins next year, he'd have one, maybe one term, maybe two at the most. They're going to appoint somebody who's an attractive candidate who can run maybe four times. 24 years will be stuck with this decision because it, it's hard to beat an incumbent. But we can win an open seat or we can, or we can win a seat with a guy as badly damaged as Menendez is now. With those pictures with the gold bars and the $100 bill sticking out of his pockets. I just, it's beyond belief that you could have that happen. So whether you are Democrat, Republican, or Independent, who do you want to see run for U.S. Senate next year? Who do you think will run? 800-848-9222. When we come back, I'll tell you what prominent Democrat has already said he's primarying Menendez. I'll also tell you about what change has been made in baseball that is destroying more players' arms. And the most popular world leader in the world was with one of the most despicable human beings on earth applauding like a seal last week. I'll tell you who. I'll tell you why. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. Frank Morano with you until 7 o'clock. Your phone calls, five open lines if you want to comment, 800-848-9222. You're listening uh, to a special Yom Kippur edition of Sid and Friends on 77 WABC. Straight ahead. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is number one champion sound. Yeah, yeah Estelle, we about to get down. get down. Who the hottest in the world right now? Just touched down in London town. Bet they give me a pound. Tell them put the money in my hand right now. Set up a motor, we need more seats. We just sold out all the floor seats. Take me on a trip, I'd like to go someday. Take me to New York, I'd love to see LA. I really want to come pick it with you. You'll be my American boy. He said, Kanye West. A uh, still an independent candidate for president, from what I'm told, got in trouble in Italy. They threw him out of Italy. Uh, apparently, and I'm not joking here, he was exposing himself at a, on a gondola or something along those lines, and they politely asked him to leave Italy. They told him, either we're going to charge you with some sort of crime, or you better leave town. He left town. Uh, so the Italians have succeeded once again in doing what the Americans could not. They have banished Kanye West. We should all be so lucky. Now, uh, speaking of being an American boy, a lot of folks have always said that the prototypical American story is that of New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. Now, I have never been a fan of Bob Menendez politically. His whole life, he has lived in that gray area of what's ethical and unethical, what's legal and illegal. And it's often, depending on the day, tough to tell which side of the ledger he's falling on. By the way, if you're just waking up, uh, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Morano. You can normally hear me every day from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. If uh, you're not up at that time, it's probably worth getting up for. But you can also uh, listen to the podcast through the free WABC app. All you have to do is go to your app store and search 77 WABC. Not only can you listen to the station anywhere in the world, you don't have to worry about driving out of the signal area or anything along those lines, but you get updates, you get special offers, and you get to listen to the podcast to me whenever you want to. Bob Menendez is under indictment with his wife, and there's a couple interesting things about this. I'm not going to focus mostly on the legal aspect of it because it's a little bit of a complicated case, and I may delve into it a little bit more on the overnight program tonight, but I think the politics of it are interesting of it because you have a Democratic congressman, Andy Kim, he's running. He is a relatively popular Democratic congressman taking on a senator of his own party. And whenever a set, whenever an incumbent of their own party loses in a primary, it's always due to a scandal like this. Remember when Jack Murphy lost in 1980? Why did Jack Murphy lose? Jack Murphy was a World War II hero. He lost because of abscam. Why did uh, Adam Clayton Powell Jr. lose to Charles Rangel? He lost because of the scandals that he was involved in. Could this be the same situation? And could this be the first time in 52 years that the Republicans actually managed to win a Senate seat in New Jersey? You know who's talking about running. And I actually think this would be a phenomenal. I think there's a lot of interesting Republicans that are running, um, but who would be, a, I think, a phenomenal candidate if he's willing to sacrifice his own congressional seat. Congressman Jeff Van Drew, the dentist turned state legislator turned congressman, the Democrat turned Republican, doing a great job representing Southern Jersey. I liked him when he's a Democrat. I like him now that he's a Republican. And he said over the weekend that he's considering challenging Bob Menendez. Let me take you back in time, though. Three years ago, Bob Menendez is in front of what I believe is the Taj Mahal in India, and he starts serenading 
his wife, not at the time his wife, just his girlfriend, who he met at an IHOP, by the way. Those of you that think you can't find love in unusual places, look no further than the Tutti Fruity Fresh and Fruity Breakfast at IHOP. It is the surest fire way to find love. That and a shared fondness for gold bars will help you find love in a hurry. Bob Menendez um, serenading his wife in front of the Taj Mahal. How is it though are still too little? These hands could hold the world and it all never be enough. Never be enough for me. Oh my god! That engagement ring. After singing in front of the Taj Mahal. Now, a lot of you wonder, how do you afford a trip to India and a nice uh, engagement ring like that that gives you the oh wow factor to someone you met at IHOP? Well, now we know he was getting uh, gifts of hundreds of thousands of dollars, including gold bars from uh, people that wanted preferential treatment from the government. 800-848-9222. Going to get to your calls in a second. But Bob Menendez is not the only one who is lucky in love one of the best-known wrestlers of all time, Hulk Hogan, is officially off the market for the third time as the WWE icon married his girlfriend. I love this name. And if you were to tell me, pick the perfect name for a yoga instructor, nothing against yoga instructors. I have a cousin who's a yoga instructor, but she doesn't have a yoga instructor's name. The new Mrs. Hulk Hogan does. Her name is Sky Daly. Now, is that a perfect name for a yoga instructor? So Hulk Hogan, 70 years old, just married his girlfriend, Sky Daly, on Friday. And uh, now this is just months after they revealed their engagement. So a lot of folks may say that's a little young. It's not young. I learned from my friend Tommy Barlotta the appropriate formula for dating someone. You can go half your age plus nine. That is the appropriate formula. So as long as you fall within that... You're good. And this is right on the cusp of that. So congratulations to Hulk Hogan, one of the few people in the news that we're talking about who's married to someone that he's not being indicted with. Uh, Chad Lopez is here. We're going to get his take on what's happening in the world at large. In fact, I need his advice on something uh, very big related to parenting in a minute. I'll tell you what it is. And uh, you, Chad's always dressed to the nines for it's the rest of us to shame at 634 in the morning. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Your call's in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Anthony Hopkins in here this morning for Justin Ellick. Sports sponsored by Peerless Boilers, the world's best built boilers. Let's start in the NFL where the Jets fell to the New England Patriots 15-10 to at MetLife Stadium. It was an ugly game for the Jets as they never led and gained a total of just 171 yards of offense in the loss. The Jets fall to 1-2 and two on the season and will stay at home next week as they welcome the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs for a Sunday night showdown. To the baseball diamond, the Mets lost to the Philadelphia Phillies 5-2 to two yesterday. The Mets got a home run from rookie Ronnie Mauricio. 
but it was not enough to get the Mets past the Phillies, who were led by Nick Castellanos and JT Realmute, who both tallied two RBIs in the game. The Mets are off tonight and picks things back up on Tuesday when they start a series with the Miami Marlins. In similar fashion, the Yankees fell to the Arizona Diamondbacks 7-1 to yesterday in the Bronx. The pinstripes' lone run came off the bat of Aaron Judge. Carlos Rodon went six and a third innings, giving up three runs, and he was tagged with the loss. The Yankees wrap up their series with the Diamondbacks this afternoon at 105. That's sports sponsored by Peerless Boilers, the world's best-built boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. After the hour of six, this is 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano sitting in this hour for Sid Rosenberg. Sid's going to be back tomorrow. Coming up at 7 a.m., our illustrious leader, John Katsimatidis, who, in addition to owning our radio station and doing two great talk shows in his own right, he's the hardest working guy here. Anybody ever takes a day off, doesn't matter if it's overnights, middays, late nights, he's ready to fill in himself. And uh, more importantly, those of you that are concerned about energy prices... He has been all over the media on Fox Business and everywhere else talking about what we're seeing in terms of energy prices. In addition to being the grocery business, in addition to being the real estate business, in addition to being the radio business, the baseball business, John knows more about oil than anybody. And it's a funny thing that I've learned about self-made billionaires, and I've known several. And uh, the one thing that I could tell you about every self-made billionaire that I've ever encountered they're billionaires for a reason, and they didn't get to be billionaires by being dumb. And at least when it comes to energy, John knows a thing or two about a thing or two. All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. If you want to uh, be heard on anything else and you're not in a position to get to a phone, you can also find me on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can tweet me at Frank Morano, Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. You can also tweet us at 77. WABC talking a little bit about Bob Menendez talking a little bit about uh, Hulk Hogan talking about a wide variety of subjects including this blockbuster poll Washington Post and ABC which shows Trump with a heavy lead nationally over Biden that does not necessarily bear out where the uh, the NBC poll is on this as well I did have to mention Joe Biden is getting a lot of attention negatively for kind of a gaffe he made uh, when talking with the Congressional Black Caucus at an event that LL Cool J was um, was at. So he was giving this speech to the Congressional Black Caucus on Saturday night. This is what he said. 
was a great artist of our time, representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America. LLJ Cool J. By the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thigh. So there's two criticisms of this, as you can imagine. I'm going to play this for you one more time. One, they're criticizing him for getting LL Cool J's name wrong. And two, they're criticizing him, you know, LL Cool J is black. They're criticizing him for using the term boy before immediately correcting it to man. I'll play it for you again. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. By the way... I have to tell you, I'm no fan of Biden. I didn't vote for him. I'm not going to vote for him again. But I, I don't think he did. I don't think it's a big deal. I think this is one of those manufactured scandals. Uh, you know, is it, a, is it a news flash that an 80-year-old guy may not necessarily be up on LL Cool J and he may refer to him as LL J Cool J? I don't think that's a big deal. Second, when he says that boy and then immediately corrects it to that man, I don't think, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, I don't think there's anything racist when you say that boy's got biceps the size of whatever. I And again, he immediately corrected it for fear that it might have been a big deal. It reminds me almost back in, I think it was 2009, 2010, on MSNBC, Al Sharpton was talking to Pat Buchanan, and they were both working there at the time. You imagine how far the world has come that uh, they used to have a place where both Sharpton and Pat Buchanan could be on TV. And Sharpton's interviewing Buchanan, and Buchanan says something similar, and Sharpton lets him have it. And let me tell you, your boy, Barack Obama, caved in on it in 2000. 10, and he'll cave in on it again. My what? My president, Barack Obama, what did you say? <laughs> he's your boy in the ring. No, he's, he's nobody's boy. He's your president, and he's our president, and that's what y'all are going to get through your head. And maybe there was, you know, there was a strategy when I was a younger man. I was never nobody's boy. Oh, but when geez. I was a younger man, there was a strategy by a great champion named Muhammad Ali. When you're facing an imbalanced opponent, and you can't outpunch them because they got 61 Go extra votes. You're rope-a-doper. I got to tell you, I think we're in a dangerous place in America where people are afraid to use every possible word for fear someone might be offended. You know, there's nothing wrong with using the term your boy. I think that was just silly. 800-848-9222. Jason in Los Angeles listening on the 77 WABC app. Good morning, Jason. Jason, we got you? All right, you snooze, you lose. Kevin in Arizona, listening on the 77 WABC app. Hello, Kevin. Hey, good morning. Um, my wife is a yoga instructor. Sky Daily would be a fantastic name for her, but uh, I am a skydive instructor. I would love that. I maybe even cut off a finger on my left hand. <laughs> All right, Kevin, you, go for it, man. I think it's a great name for you as well. 800-848-9222. Greg is in Vernon, New Jersey. Hello, Greg. Hey, good morning. I just wanted to talk about this Bob Menendez guy. I, I, I heard somewhere along the way that somebody gave him a luxury car as a bribe. Somebody gave him a C-class Mercedes. If somebody gave me a bribe like that, I'd be insulted. That's like the cheapest car you could get. In a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole New Jersey politics has always been pretty dirty. And, you know, he's just, you know, he just, they're just finding out. That's all. 
Greg, uh, thank you. You know, uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Jersey politics, I think, is is corrupt as can be. It's one of the reasons Christie got to become a star, because it was like shooting fish in a barrel. The question, though, is with the Supreme Court's new definition of bribery after the McDonald decision, can they prove quid pro quo corruption? Guy that knows a thing or two about this is Dominic Carter, who's going to be with us in 10 minutes because he trusts he covered that Bob Menendez trial and developed quite a rapport with Menendez. Meantime, let me say good morning to uh, our leader, uh, John Katsimatidis. Hello, John. Well, Frank, it's good to, you know, I enjoy talking to you. And Likewise. You get maybe... Uh, 15, 20 minutes a, uh, a month or something, <laughs> 10 minutes. You know, it's funny. We, Less. We, we used to do, you know, uh, starting about 10 years ago, when you started doing your own radio show, we used to chat every Sunday, and I do miss it, I must say. We, we definitely chatted. We had an hour show uh, at one point, and then we did, what was the name of that show we did? The uh, X Files. That's right. The uh, the uh, X Files edition of the, uh, the Cats Roundtable. Well, there's a lot of X Files going on right now. Uh, with Menendez. Mm. I mean, look, uh, I was at dinner on Saturday night, and a lot of people uh, are uh, talking, and they said, well, uh, somebody uh, made a point that uh, my friend Steve says, uh, I get those gifts all the time. It's a a one-ounce gift that I get at a wedding. A one-ounce piece of Of gold gold versus (laughs) a four-pound or 14-pound gold bar. So he says, well, what's the truth? And uh, the conversation went on and on. And they said, well, the uh, Biden administration wanted Menendez out. And is he the cleanest guy in the world? Not necessarily. But are there other people that other Democrats that are not clean and are worse well, and the Justice Department doesn't go after them? That's what I wonder. It's possible. Is, you know, doing favors for donors, getting gifts from people that have business before the federal government. <laughs> how many senators in both parties are doing the exact same thing? And are we going to prosecute them all, right? It does kind of look but like a... A friend of mine, a friend of mine uh, uh, paid for his wedding. Menendez's wedding. Menendez's wedding. Okay. So friends do that sometimes. Um, I know a friend of mine once, uh, uh, once paid for my birthday. Uh, he says, I'm going to host your birthday. So people host, and if somebody gave them uh, a one ounce, what's your normal gift to a wedding? Sometimes $500. Right. Sometimes $1,000 if it's at the, there was a Waldorf. Right. It's, or a close, yeah, super or close or friend. Or- or, uh, so if you're given a one-ounce bar, how much is a one-ounce bar worth? I, I, you know the price of commodities a lot better than I do. Yeah. I would think it's at least $3,500 for an ounce. No, no, no. One uh, ounce is, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Chad's here, too. Is yeah. it about $2,000? Is it? Yeah, see, uh, I, uh, you got me. Uh, it's been a while since I had yeah. to evaluate the price of a gold bar. You didn't bar. get any uh, one-ounce uh, gifts uh, <laughs> for your wedding? Yet. Not yet. I'm still waiting for a couple of people that uh, that didn't give a gift. You have, to a, open you have a crap list? <laughs> you know, I, I think like you, John, is that you invite someone to an occasion. It's no big deal if they don't bring uh, a gift. I mean, obviously, it's nice. John but you, didn't, right. you didn't sit. How much is an ounce now? $2,000. $2,000. All right. See, now people, you See? Know, people do give $2,000 gifts sometimes at weddings. So the, the and, and you got to 
you know, and if it's uh, $400,000 in gifts over 10 years, that's 40000 a year. Uh, so who knows? Uh, nice Look, work if you All I want to know is, uh, I, 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 let's go back to the old uh, thing where a person is innocent until you're proven Amen. guilty. Amen. Amen. Whether okay. your name's Trump, Menendez, or Hunter Biden, or whomever, everyone should get the presumption of innocence. Oh, yeah. One, one, I mean, things happened in the, uh, the last 20 years where if you were on the front page of the New York Post or the New York Times and and, and somebody said you're guilty, oh, my God, he's guilty. Now, I'll give you an example. Look at um, uh, what happened to um, AIG and Hank Greenberg. Oh, uh, yeah. We got a break coming up? Yeah, you know, hold that thought because, you know, I think you're right. I mean, if you look at what Bob Menendez, uh, excuse me, what Bob Torricelli and Jim McGreevy went down for in New Jersey 20 years ago, it doesn't look as bad as what some of these people are getting away with today. We're going to continue with John Katz from TDs in a moment. Dominic Carter's here. Chad Lopez is here. Action Pack. Curtis Lee is asleep in the studio next door. We're going to wake him so that he I can tell us up. about Oh, you're welcome. Him. We'll continue on the uh, this special Yom Kippur edition of Sit and Friends in the Morning, straight ahead. Sit and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Five minutes until seven. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, you can normally hear me on the other side of midnight every morning from 1 to 5 a.m. And your ears do not deceive you. Even though it's a holiday, even though you go to a lot of your favorite stations and they have best ofs or worst ofs, we are live and local all morning long, mostly because of the input of the man to my left, our owner, John Katsimatidis, also the host of uh, the Cats Roundtable on Sundays and the co-host of Cats and Cosby Every weeknight at uh, 5 p.m. John, um, you know, we were talking about that ABC News poll with the Washington Post poll with uh, Trump having a substantial national lead over Biden. I've never seen anything like this before. The Washington Post and ABC News are both saying don't trust our own poll because they're saying it's an outlier. What was your take on that poll? It's it's crazy what's happening in media today. Uh at home, I have a bunch of computers, and I have one on Fox News and one on CNN. And it's two different news. Right. What color is the sky on one? And what color I mean, is the it, sky it, on it is very, very sad. Uh, you know, I grew up in the days, I'm, I'm much older than you. I grew up in the days of uh, 92% of the people believed Walter Cronkite. And right now, nobody believes anybody. And I'm trying to get WABC into a spot. Where ninety-two percent of the people in the in the world making it worldwide coverage, uh, and we are in the world. You know, my uh, Filipino uh, maid retired after thirty-three years, and she went to the Philippines, and she couldn't get WABC Radio. You Guess what? It. Now she can get it. I love it. I love and, it. And uh, we got hundreds of people in the Philippines uh, listening. And uh, it's we have worldwide coverage. I think we're in 173 countries, uh, and uh, uh, we're uh, all you have to do is go to wabcradio.com or on your iPhone uh, 77 uh, WABC, and you get worldwide coverage no matter where you are in the world. I'm not sure, and we're in the South Pole. 
<laughs> and um, for people that uh, can't stay up to listen live to certain programs, they can also check out the great podcasts at uh, wabcradio.com. Just click on podcast. The, the new thing we invented, a minicast. Minicast, that's where, right. Where we do 10-minute interviews. If you don't have an hour to spend, you have a 10-minute interview, go listen to the 10-minute interview. But that's I'm still not happy the way it's presented on our website and uh, that's still uh, working uh, in progress. Well, I don't know. It sounds like Chad Lopez's job is in jeopardy. John, if you're not happy, that's it. This is know. one of the reasons, no, John. No, no, Chad you... knows too. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he wants to fix it. I'm just but John, this, kills her. This, is, this is your reason. When you bought the station, right, we had the conversation and said you want to keep radio live, right? In national holidays, it doesn't matter. We are going to go. It's too much news and too much important news to keep everything live Absolutely. and accurate. Absolutely. All right. Dominic Carter's coming in. Curtis Lee was coming in. I'm going to stick around a few minutes as well. Chad Lopez is here. John Katsimatidis is here. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning with John Katsimatidis and Frank Morano. We'll continue straight ahead. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi! From my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Five minutes after 7 o'clock, this is Sid and Friends and the Morning with no Sid, but all his friends. I'm here, Frank Morano, and as you can tell by the difference in music, Dominic Carter has walked into the building. Good morning. The red carpet has been rolled out. <laughs> Legendary New York broadcast journalist, personal friend of Bob Menendez, oh guy that's gotten quite a few gold bars as gifts from oh him. Oh, boy. You know, Dominic Carter. If I text him and I tell Bob Menendez that we're both, me and you are here. He may come on. You he never may. know. He may. Just don't tell he him may. Curtis is in the room. I'm not going to tell him Curtis <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Katzmatidis. How are you? It's always a pleasure to be working with you. It's always a great honor. We have our company president, Chad Lopez, Curtis Sliwa, Frank Morano. We're all here. We're live. We're local. We're on it. And we'll talk any breaking news. You know we will tell you first. You'll know it before anybody else knows it. And this is how we do it. That, no doubt about it. You know, obviously everybody's talking about this migrant situation. Uh, the uh, gentleman to my right has made <laughs> quite a few headlines all over the city, really all over the country, protesting a lot of folks that don't want these unvetted folks living next door to them in communities that aren't zoned for this. He had a surprising ally, and this might be the first time I've ever said this. He had a surprising ally on this issue over the weekend. The former governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, said... He agrees with Eric Adams that uh, this migrant issue could destroy New York City. Something tells me, uh, Curtis, you're not going to be inviting Governor Cuomo oh, to the on. next rally. Come on, on he this. called ICE thugs. Well, you can't flip on that. ICE is our first line of defense against criminal illegal aliens. So all of a sudden, as you try to resurrect your political career, he thinks that some of us forget he was out there calling ICE thugs on a regular basis. 
I'm sorry. Little too little, little too late to all of a sudden join the caravan. One of, one of our discussions this morning, and Chad Lopez, the president of WABC, is here too. Chad, welcome. Good morning. And in the discussion is, you know, me, you, uh, Dominic, we're old enough, and uh, when did we get to this point? I mean, uh, I, I'm still scratching my head. Uh, you know, we were a, a great country, and then all of a sudden, this happened to us. When did we get to this point, guys? And it's getting worse. They say last month there were more illegal border crossings than ever. It was a new record in terms of border crossings. So it, this this is the one thing Hochul, Adams, Cuomo, Curtis, everyone well, says it's unsustainable. The thing that I'm uh, upset about is the rule of law. And there's no respect. I have uh, Alan Dershowitz on twice a week. And the rule of law, there's no rule of law. And that's why it, it, nobody in the Democratic Party has ever been indicted. And that's why we were discussing why Bob Menendez was indicted. Is there another reason? And uh, at dinner on uh, uh, on uh, Saturday night with the Washington Post people and et cetera, uh, the other reason could be something else. It could be, uh, don't forget, uh, Bob Menendez is a big supporter of Israel, big. And, well, and the Biden administration wants to bring Iran closer into the fold. So I don't know if anybody knows better than me. Well, no, no, the number one person here is Dominic Carter. I remember covering the trial here at WABC. Do you know, John, that Bobby Menendez would come out of federal court and he would not conduct a press conference until he saw Dominic Carter in the scrum? He would say, hold on, is Dominic Carter here? No, sorry, guys, gals, we got to wait till Dominic Carter gets here. There's nobody who knows Bobby Menendez better than Dominic Carter. And, Dominic, I see that his defense is already here. He's announcing today he's running for re-election. And he says, the way I did business is the way they all do business up on the hill in Washington. But, but this time, and I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's premature, it's early. How do you get around the money, the money that was found? Well, in the last, how many years, the last 10 years, you got 400000 That's 40000 a year. He had a wedding. It's not unusual for a wedding. Somebody said it to me on a Saturday morning, my friend Steve. He said to me, I've gotten one ounce, one ounce uh, gifts of gold. And... Were they bars of gold or were they one ounce of gold? Now, with Egypt, they did say in the, I, I read part of the indictment, that Egypt, it was not, it, it was pub, mostly public information. There was no secret information that, that, uh, he gave over. Uh, and maybe that's part of the negotiation. No, John, you know what's going to happen. They're going to put the, uh, arm on him and say, look, just like, remember, Rudy Giuliani did to Mario Biagi Sr. when he said, look, I'm going to indict, I'm going to put into jail your son. You're both involved in WedTech up in the Bronx in Hunts Point. Um, I'm going to put your son in jail. And uh, Mario Biagi Sr. at the end of his career said, no, I'll take the rap. Leave my son alone. They're going to go after his wife. His wife is a lobbyist. They're going to say, we're going to, uh, we're going to arrest your wife. We're going to indict your wife. We're going to lock up your wife and put her in jail. 
Are you going to allow that, or are you going to resign? Well, you see, they're, they're basically they're not going to put him in jail. No, they're going to they're going to look to have him resign. He he was breaking chops uh, of the White House for many years, and the White House wanted him out. So is this part of what's going on with the DOJ? I don't know. And he did, Mr. Katsimatidis, claim that during his uh, first trial that it was a political hit that the president at the time, Obama, wanted him gone. And so I got to sit with Menendez every single day. I saw him at his best. I saw him at his worst. And uh, that that's why we developed a relationship during the trial. Now, let me ask you a question, Dominic. Who wore better suits? <laughs> Eric Adams <laughs> or Bobby Menendez? Always customized to the max. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I would say I would say Mayor Adams. The, uh, but the Adams suits, as far as we know, don't have those special pockets to hide cash as the Menendez suits apparently gold, did. No, gold. there was no special well, both pockets. Gold bars. <laughs> yes, there were, right? I mean, that's was, right. he had these When they went into his pockets. closet. All of his monogram jackets apparently were stuffed with cash, at least according to the FBI report. Well, I buy the my, my wife buys me these ninety nine dollar jackets. What, what does it say on that? Can you read it? Yeah, but wait a second. Yeah. I notice you have a holster that's built into your jacket there, John. <laughs> What's that no, holster in the other pocket? Oh, okay. It's <laughs> in case Sid gets out of line. But well, you know, interesting. Bob Menendez jogs every day now in Cliffside Park. He no longer lives in Hudson County. He lives in Bergen County. Remember, Palisades Park swings all day and after dark is next door. Uh, me and Cousin Brucey sang it on, uh, right. uh, on a big gala day. Now, and, and he lives in his wife's home. She's Armenian-American. It is not an ostentatious home. It's sort of like... Yeah, it. I've seen it. I saw it on, uh, on the New York right, Post. Right, not a, an ostentatious home. And he jogs every morning... Uh, Mario Kranjak, uh, who is the mayor there, Republican, also is the um, lawyer for the Guardian Angels. He describes that he goes jogging, he waves to all the people, the people wave to Bobby Menendez. It'll be interesting to see his defense, because so far he is saying, this is how we do business up on the Hill. Now, if you notice, all the other U.S. senators are not asking him to step down. Because he could end up dropping dime on them. But I think your point, Curtis, is correct that the feds are trying to flip his, to, to, to get him to step down by using his wife. Because in the first trial, uh, Dr. Melgen, who you know well in terms of the name, the ophthalmologist, and he ended up going to jail. He was just, he was pardoned by, uh, former President Trump. And, um, as I said with you last night, Dr. Meldrum, uh, the feds alleged that this was their allegation, but it didn't work out in court that Senator Menendez was his personal senator. And so their whole argument was that it was gifts amongst friends, that they were personal well, friends. Well, think back to Bob the Torch Torricelli when he was congressman and Donald Trump was the big casino owner in Atlantic City. Every time a native tribe, an Indian tribe, would say, look, according to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, we're entitled to have a casino in New Jersey, Trump would sick Torricelli on them. Torricelli would hold hearings. You're not really Indians. You're not entitled to a casino. Uh, basically, Bob the Torch Torricelli was bought by Donald Trump to do that. And eventually by David Chang. Remember the infamous uh, Korean financier in Fort Lee who bought him cars, suits, whatever he wanted. And John, believe it or not, Bob the Torch Torricelli went and debated with the North Korean delegation that they owed his Medici. 
$70 million, and he wanted that money back from North Korea. The one thing I'll mention with respect to Menendez, and it's not necessarily relevant to this case, but I think it is relevant to the grand scheme of things, is people may forget how Menendez, I know you won't, Curtis, but how Menendez got his political start. He really got his start at 28 years old by testifying, being a cooperator, and testifying against his political mentor, Musto, who was the mayor of, uh, I think it was Union City at the time, testified against him in open court, they convicted him, and then he got elected mayor. And it's very interesting how karma works. One day you're testifying for the government, the other day the government is playing let's make a deal to have folks testify against you. I, I think we have to get to a point where everybody trusts their government again. And equal justice for all. I really believe in equal justice for all. But is that possible? The, the way things are going these right days? Right now, it is. I am a little bit disgusted. And uh, uh, I think that uh, people, uh, we have to straighten things out. And the question is, and Frank, uh, you, you, you've been going over uh, politics for presidential politics. Uh, who is capable of being tough enough in 2024, the winner of 2024, 2025, capable of being tough enough to be a president, to straighten out all the messes that our country is in? And put us back in the right direction. You know, uh, it, tough enough and being perceived by the public to be able to do the right thing, I think, is two very different questions. Because I think, as as you know, John, because you've been to more fundraisers than anyone I've ever known, uh, the amount of money that it takes to run for president, the fact that you have to raise $500 uh, million just to have a credible chance of winning, it immediately invites skepticism. Because if you're perceived as doing anything for those donors or anything for those interests, Interest, immediately there's going to be your political detractors that say you're not doing the right thing. Gone are the days of Dwight Eisenhower where you're drafted. I'll tell you, one of the people that I think has really tapped into the public cynicism that you're describing, and you're right about that, Pew Research poll shows 64% of Americans are exhausted by covering politics. But one of the people who I think has really tapped into that cynicism, whatever people think about it, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He has tapped into a level of independents, Democrats, Frank, and Republicans. Frank. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. And why, 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 why has the White House vetoed him getting Secret Service protection? You know, Curtis. You know, joking is is joking. Right. But. The guy deserves oh, absolutely, protection. absolutely. But this guy's a nut job and a screwball, an anti-Semite of the worst type. I, you can't I'm even not hear sure you're you right. can't even hear the guy speak, and you're going to put him out there on a national platform in order to debate the issues. But of the he day. should have the right to do oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And let the people decide. Absolutely, let him run as an independent. Since the Democrats have shut him out. he's been a Democrat all his life. His family's been a Democrat all Understood. his life. Understood. Understood. But the point being is. Don't all of a sudden put him up on a on a pedestal. His own family has thrown him under the bus. When your own fa you can't even find a member of your own family to support you. What does that say about the guy's character? That, that's a problem. But to answer your question, Mr. Katsimatidis, I really believe that the individual you just said, independent enough to lead the country, I really believe that it's Trump. I really do. I think. I think he's the only one. Look, he's got a lot of problems. He's the only one that is tough enough to make the right things happen. I mean, you know, and look, he's got a lot of problems of his own. But, John, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to settle all scores. 
He wants to be Michael Corleone. It, sound, it sounds like Curtis Lewa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's about Curtis exactly. Lewa. He, he wants to settle all scores. If Donald Trump gets elected. Uh, is that Curtis Lewa you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is Even where Curtis we, is going to be announcing he's running. Right. Yes. <laughs> Even yes. though we disagree yes. on many we issues. we got to take a break. I understand the control room, who is our boss bosses, uh, says we're going to take a break and we'll come back. Traffic and transit. Well, good morning again, everybody. And as you travel out onto the northbound side of 287, we've got ourselves a little bit of a problem there. And I'm on the Ray Katina portion traffic desk this morning. And as you travel on the northbound side, right by Route 22, we still have that overturned truck with a fuel spill of the right lane and the off ramp going to be shut down as you travel northbound through there in Bridgewater. So that will continue to have uh, some problems. Also, as you travel in uh, Bergen County and Rochelle Park, uh, we have a delay there right around Central Avenue on the northbound side of Route 17. Make that southbound side of Route 17. Now, on the Sawmill River Parkway, southbound Grand Street in Pleasantville, there is a crash. Also, delays on the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway now on the southbound side, getting down to White Avenue with an accident. Again, the one lane out. Then on the Southern State, the earlier problem we told you about at the Wanta, that has now been taken care of. And mass transit at this point running on or close to schedule. View all electric vehicles can compare to the luxury and performance of the 2023 Porsche Taycan. One drive and you'll understand why. Experience the Porsche Taycan for yourself. You'll find an excellent selection to choose from now at Raycatina Porsche in Edison or visit RaycatinaPorsche.com. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. And we are back on this Monday morning. John Katsimatidis with myself, Dominic Carter, the president of Red Apple Media, Chad Lopez, and of course, Curtis Sliwa, Mr. Katsimatidis, it is great to be here with you this morning. Well, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know when I had the most fun last year? Let's hear it. Uh, we, uh, me, Margo, uh, Rita, uh, Cosby, we went out for uh, New Year's Eve. We were in New York, and then we came to the studio. We came to the studio about a quarter to 12. Wow. And we were on WABC Worldwide till about 2, 2 o'clock, 2.30, and it was fun. We took phone calls from all over the world. I think we had one call from Australia, one from West Virginia, one from Seattle, Washington, and that was the most fun I ever had, and I might do that again this year. <laughs> wow. Wow, so you could have been anywhere in the world, and you were here at your radio station. With a million and you had people a great listening. Time. And how Maybe is, two million. Who knows? How, how is Mrs. Katzmatidis doing? She is okay. She'll be in later on. There's a WABC meeting that Chad says uh, uh, that he needs decisions on. So I think she's going to come in later on. Sounds interesting. And now we have Ernie Anastas. Ernie Anastas uh, started at ABC 100 years ago. Not 100 years ago, but <laughs> it feels like it. But, but he, uh, uh, he is now a WABC, back to WABC radio. 
and just started a new show on a Pix uh, Channel 11. And Ernie, welcome back. Hey, John. It's so good to be here. You know what? I'm listening to your show, and I love, love the energy. I thrive on that. And what you're talking about is so exciting. And, and I'm happy to be with, with you, John, our, our fearless leader, and Chad and Frank and Dominic and Curtis. What a great team. Let me just say one thing, because I'm listening to you, and I did a show on WABC yesterday about heroes. Who are our heroes and why? Now, fascinating program and a lot of phone calls. You know, from the 20s all the way up to the early 60s, we had a lot of them. And I'm sure you're going to remember them, John especially. FDR, Charles Lindbergh, uh, John Glenn, Neil Armstrong, uh, Elvis, Frank Sinatra, the Beatles, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. I mean, so many heroes. And today, when you start asking people, who are your heroes? Oh, man. You know what they say? And you guys were just talking about that. Uh, Everybody's been destroyed. Everybody's being challenged. You know, there are all kinds of uh, things the media will do to reveal weaknesses. They want to take down George Washington's statue. I mean, you know, Columbus's statue. I I mean, this is wrong. Well, John, that's that's what people are talking about, and that's what we talked about yesterday. And, you know, it all comes down to trust, integrity, and the truth. And when people yesterday were talking about their heroes, who do you think they said? Who do you think they said were their heroes? Who? Real people. They talked about 9-11, those innocent lives lost, first responders, hard workers, community workers, our teachers, our volunteers, the police, the fire, good people in this world, in this city, who are trying to improve life for others and to make the world a better place. So it comes down to just ordinary individuals. I I lost four friends, Ernie. I lost four friends on Mm -hmm. 9-11. One of my high school buddies, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Shelly Cantor, and one of my uh, uh, college buddies. uh, And and, uh, uh, another gentleman that we used to go um, uh, to – Basketball practice with our eight-year-old kids yeah. uh, every every Saturday morning, and, uh, and know, there, uh, were, there were so many lives. Journey, did you John. lose anybody on nine eleven that you were close to? Not really. Uh, I, there were people that I knew who had some family members, but I really didn't know them. But you know, I was on the air for so many hours, like so many people, anchoring that event from the day it started. And I remember being on the air and how I felt that day. And I said, I've covered so many stories. Do you know, in my career, I've, I've anchored 20,000 newscasts. I counted it one day. Is that a while? a day for 40 years, over 20,000. And I'm saying, on the air, I was reporting that story, and I had tears inside. And I kept saying to myself, I wish I could go on the air and stop this story from evolving. I wish I could do something. And it just kept getting worse. And when we lost these lives, uh, I mean, you know the pain. And I remember being in the studio. I was at CBS 2, and I was in the studio. We came out for a break, and I was in my office with a couple of other anchors and reporters, and, and, and tears started because the, the emotion had just built up so By much. By the way, we also lost John Katzmatidis with a K. It was his first day back from vacation. Mm-hmm. He worked for that investment banking uh, firm on the 105th mm-hmm. floor. Yeah. First day back from vacation, and my wife Margot, because they were just saying John Katzmatidis. Yeah. And my wife Margot got a ton of phone calls, like mm-hmm. uh, saying, uh, uh, is everything all right? You know, like they didn't want to say, yeah. did John die? Yeah. 
Well, but, but uh, Mr. Katsimatidis, I'm sure, and folks, we are, we are chatting with the legendary Ernie Anastas live here on the morning show. Mr. Katsimatidis, but it, it, in the course of business, I'm sure you were in the World Trade Center quite a bit. A lot. So you could have and been we've there. we've been to breakfast up in the uh, the restaurant, uh, the restaurant up upstairs, and mm-hmm, we've been to dinner sure. upstairs. Right. And uh, uh, when I first heard that uh, a plane hit, I used to fly. I was a, a, a pilot. Uh, I used to fly. It was a routine flight for pilots. Mm-hmm. A thousand feet over the Hudson River, right up the Hudson River, to go yeah. land at Teterboro. And I thought it was some stupid uh, pilot uh, in a small airplane that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, made a mistake. Oh, we were all shocked, I and mean, we couldn't believe you know what was happening because it was just an extraordinary thing that will never happen again. I'm, I'm, I know that. Uh, I believe that with all my heart. But we have recovered in so many ways. The city has rebounded and and restored itself. But you know, going back to what we were talking about, those heroes that were lost, and asking you guys the question. You know, where are our heroes? How can we bring back this integrity that's been lost, this truth? Everybody's searching for it, guys. You know that. I'm out on the street asking people questions, and people are all saying, hey, I've had it. I really have had it with all this negativity, all this hatred, all this anger. Where are we going to go? How are we going to restore our country in terms of its faith and its strength to be able to bring ourselves back up to where we belong? I ask you guys that question. Well, Ernie. Ernie, uh, let me just mention, uh, yeah, I grew up in the age of Camelot, and I found out that it was all a myth. It's JFK legacy, the Kennedys, all a myth. And then we learned the reality of the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. I'll never trust politicians again, ever. Mm-hmm. Not Republicans, Democrats, Independents. To me, it's the reverse of pres- what President Ronald Reagan said. He said, trust and verify. No, verify yeah. first, then I'll trust you, because I know. It's a lot of spin, a lot of propaganda, and what they say publicly is not necessarily true privately. Let them prove themselves. And you know what, Curtis? You're reminding me of a great Mark Twain quote, and you probably are familiar with it. Politicians are like diapers. They should be changed often and for the same reason. And so that's what you're talking about. Well, well Ernie, very- some, of them, some of them are still wearing Depends now, so they have to do that every day. <laughs> As they say Ernie, in the we Senate got a, chambers. we got a minute left. We've got to go to a hard break. Yes, what, yes. what would you want to tell to all our Jewish friends and everybody this morning? Well, you know what? I love this holiday for, for many reasons. I love the Jewish holidays. Uh, when, I was, when I was in the military and I said that I was Orthodox, they thought I was Jewish, which was kind of interesting. But I want to wish everyone, first of all, I know it's a day of prayer, and my feeling is that we are all one family. And to all of our Jewish friends and to everybody, especially in this great melting pot, New York City, I wish you good health happiness, and personal joy. That's well, my message today. God bless you, Ernie. And may you, Thank you, John. May, may you live to be 120. And uh, if you listen to Dr. Mihalos on, uh, uh, on Sundays, uh, you'll, you'll have those vitamins. Thank you oh, so much. Good to be part of the team. Thank you, John. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's take that break. And when we come back, we got more great news for you. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
What a way to start this Monday morning. Dominic Carter here with John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, the president of Red Apple Media. Good morning, Mr. Katsimatidis. Well, I, you know, I enjoy coming in uh, these uh, these days, and uh, it, it just... Um and so we we are we have a guest uh, a special guest that wanted to speak to you this morning. Oh yes, uh, I I texted him before. I welcomed him on. We with us this morning is the former governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew, welcome to uh, WABC. Good to be back, John Dominic. Good to hear your voice. Thank you, happy Governor. Yom, happy Yom Kippur for those who are enjoying it. May they have an easy fast. How are you guys this morning? Well, we we came to work because our uh, our buddy uh, Sid uh, Rosenberg decided. Uh, well, in respect of his father that he lost a couple of years ago, uh, he uh, uh, took the day off, and uh, I hope he's in synagogue. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the high holy day. Yeah, we all lost our dads, and uh, uh, on on special days, we all think of our dads and our moms and uh, etc. Uh, you've been very active lately, uh, lately, Andrew, and, uh, uh, you made headlines in the, in the newspapers this morning. Uh, you've been around talking to, to churches. You've been around speaking to, uh, different groups. I know you went to, uh, Rabbi Schneier's in West Hampton. You went to Father Alex's in Southampton. Um, how do you feel? Uh, I feel, well, I feel good. Personally, I feel very concerned and troubled as a New Yorker, John, especially around this migrant issue. Uh, I think this is very serious. I don't think it's it's getting the action that it deserves. It's getting attention. Uh, Newspapers write about it, but government isn't acting. And I think this is a crucial issue for our city. And uh, it's only getting worse because, remember, more migrants come uh, every day, and this is not a short-term problem. The migrants are going to be here for years and years and years. They're seeking asylum. They're now saying the time limit for asylum is up to five years. And I don't think the city is going to be, be able to bear up under the burden. The cost is phenomenal, $200 a night for a hotel room, then education, then health care. And the federal government and the state government are absolutely nowhere. And it is their problem, my friends. You look at the Constitution, a city does not do immigration, period. And so, Governor Cuomo, you're telling us this morning you were at a church uh, yesterday in Brooklyn. And uh, what you had to say made a lot of uh, headlines nationally. So I just want to make sure we're clear on this. You believe it's the problem of the current Democrat in the White House, President Biden, and the current Democratic governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul, and not necessarily the current Democratic mayor, Eric Adams? Yeah, you said Democratic three times, Dominic. <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. Uh, short answer is yes. But I think we make a mistake when we politicize it, because I think that's part of the problem. You have a Democratic president, Democratic governor, Democratic uh, mayor. You have a hot potato and nobody wants to point fingers at another Democrat. You're right. 
uh, the Republicans do the same thing. Uh, put aside the politics for a second, and let's try a little common sense, all right? The uh, migrant issue is a pure federal responsibility. I was in the federal government for eight years. Uh, there's a pyramid. It goes federal, state, city. The federal government is in charge of immigration. The federal government is in charge of the southern border. What has happened here is they have failed to manage the problem. And you have, forget the border for a second, because that's, that's another topic, but you have migrants coming in who are being sent around the country randomly. It's wherever the southern governors send them. So listen to this. New York City, 130,000. Los death twice what Los Angeles has. It's three times what Chicago has. It's five times what the state of Massachusetts has. It's 130 times what Philadelphia has. There is no rationale or management. And not only is it crushing a city like New York, but you're doing a disservice to the migrants. The migrants should be located where they can now work. They should be located where they can find jobs in areas where they help the community and they can be helped. Uh, the federal government should get on the phone with all 50 governors and say, here's the situation. We have X number of migrants. And Andrew, uh, Governor, I agree with you 100%. And uh, you remember back those days, because uh, we've honored your father, uh, me and Bill Fugazi ran Ellis Island. Uh, he was chairman, I was vice chairman, and, and we honored the Ellis Island people. And I suggested to Eric Adams, the mayor, Eric Adams, that let's take Rikers Island, rename it Ellis Island 2, and, and put all the migrants there. And vet them, because I believe in immigration. I believe in it. But we want to make sure we don't have drug addicts. We want to make sure we don't have terrorists. We want to make sure we don't have sick kids that are going into schools with our kids. And all I want, immigration, yes. But let's have some controls on it because it's out of control. Yeah, John, I agree with you. We have to have vetting, but then I go further. It makes no sense to have 130,000 in New York City. Yes, I agree. You can't find the jobs. You can't employ them. New York City can't afford it. This is going to be billions of dollars. It's going to crush your education system. It's going to crush your health care system. You now have ideas like Floyd Bennett Field, uh, 2,000 single men in a tent in Floyd Bennett Field, which is an airport next to the Belt Parkway, no access, nothing. The progressives who are pro-migrant, how can you say this is the progressive way to handle this problem? We're not helping them. We're warehousing them. So uh, it's, it's just... It's just a mistake on every level. The feds have to step in first, do a national distribution. Now, Andrew, I mean, why why is our government doing it? I I still don't understand. Why are we allowing uh, this to happen? Because, John, it's a hot potato, and nobody wants to touch it. 
And we've gotten to a point in this country where the politics is so intense on the far left and the far right that it paralyzes the politicians with fear. They don't want to make a move because they're going to make someone unhappy. And, you know, politicians are in in the business of keeping people happy. I did it a different way. uh, And uh, we saw the consequences of that. I took on the political system. Uh, because if you leave the political system to its own, it will not do anything that is causes controversy uh, controversy in any way. You leave them alone. They won't build the LaGuardia Airport because it causes traffic. You know, this issue, you have the far left that is pro-migrant. You have NIMBY. Nobody wants them in the backyard. But I think the same agenda handles both federal government do the distribution state of new york you have to come in and help you have been ducking your responsibility and i'll tell you this this the this is a state responsibility under article 17 of the new york state constitution period it has nothing to do with new york city uh, we're going to be taking a break, a hard break in the next minute or so. Uh, can you stay on till after the break, Andrew? What's a soft break, by the way? A soft uh, break is when break. it's a voluntary break, you want to get rid of somebody. A hard break <laughs> okay, is... I'll take a hard break. I'll, I'll take You're going to get a hard break, and we'll talk to you right after that hard break. Let's take that break. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Good morning on this rainy Monday morning. Sid Rosenberg has the day off because of the holiday. I'm Dominic Carter in with the great John Katsimatidis, the owner-operator of WABC and Chad Lopez, our company president. And we are chatting live right now about the migrant crisis with the former governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo. Mr. Katsimatidis. A governor... Thank you for standing by. And uh, the big question that me and Dominic and Chad spoke about uh, while we were on the break is New York State, New York City is running out of money. I'm not putting Tom DiNapoli on the uh, – Tom DiNapoli is a very decent person, and I, I never want to put him on the uh, on the wall. He, he, he can't, he's not telling people about that, but you, we all know it's going on. Uh, Governor Hochul has called the crisis last week uh, to her people. Uh, Mayor Adams has called a crisis and wants to cut the budget five, five, and five. Um, you are governor. How long does it take before the crap hits the wall? It hit the wall. It hit the wall. They spent too much money last year. They spent money they didn't have. It was an election year. They now say they're nine billion in the hole. Uh, the city has a hole. This migrant issue is going to explode it because they haven't even calculated, John, how much this costs. It's going to wreak havoc on every system. Uh, I mean, multiple billions of dollars. The state won't be able to reimburse the city, which shouldn't have had to pay the cost in the first place. 
Mayor Adams is exactly right, they're not going to have the money. And then you're going to have two choices. You're going to either cut services, which is going to further deteriorate the condition of the city and more people will move out, or you will raise taxes and more people will move out. Uh, So uh, it's already there. And for them not to address this migrant issue, which is going to be one of the largest cost drivers of the year, you mark my words, when Eric Adams tallies up the additional Medicaid costs for the hospital, the additional teachers, uh, all these shelters, hotels, uh, everywhere, Uh, and it makes no sense. You're not even helping the migrants. That's what really bothers me. You know, uh, well, we have to accept the migrants because we're progressive New York. Yes, but then help them. What is this doing for them? Putting them in the Roosevelt Hotel, $200 a night, uh, no assistance, uh, no one with a language, no one helping them with asylum, no one helping them find a job. It's just uh, government has an inability to deal with anything controversial nowadays. And I've never seen this before. Uh, now, you can say, well, uh, Governor, you had the propensity to take on controversial issues. And I did. I did. Marriage equality, first aid in the nation, $15 minimum wage, highest wage in the nation. Because I believe New York should be setting the precedent and doing the things no one else was doing. But on this issue, uh, I mean, it's just paralysis. And I want to go back to one point, John. Uh, this is a state constitutional issue. And people, you know, we, we, we forget facts nowadays. Article 17 of the state constitution says the state and its subdivisions must care for the needy as determined by the legislature. Whatever responsibility New York City has, Nassau has, Westchester has, Erie has, it is all pursuant to the state constitution. So this state position of, well, they want to be in New York City, uh, so it's New York City's problem and we're going to contain it. They're just trying to contain the political problem for themselves. And it's going to come back and bite them on the tuchus, I say on Yom Kippur, because on Election Day, the voters are going to express their outrage just the way they did when the Democrats ignored crime in the last election. They're now ignoring migrants, and it's going to come back to hurt them politically. Governor Cuomo, we've got a minute left. What else would you like to tell them? I think the politicians aren't going to stand up and lead on this one. I think Mayor Adams has been yelling into the wind because the state uh, assemblymen and senators don't want to hear it, and the governor doesn't want to hear it because they don't want the problem. The president didn't want to hear it uh, because he doesn't want the problem, even though it's all (laughs) his problem. I think you're going to need people, people, neighborhoods, like is happening in Brooklyn with Floyd Benefield, by the way. They're up in arms, and I need that. I think you're going to need the people's anger 
to resonate to get the politicians to move. They taught us in high school, the politicians lead and the people follow baloney. Not anymore. The people have to lead and the politicians will follow. And Dominic has to speak more. <laughs> Governor, I'm listening to everything uh, that you're saying on the uh, migrant migrant crisis. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. But I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, because, for example, you just said, and I'm quoting you, that it's going to crush our education system. And we're dealing with the reality of that right now. Governor Cuomo, we thank you for joining us as always. Thank you for your insights. Dominic is by himself at midnight every night, and uh, you're welcome to call into him anytime (laughs) you feel like it. I miss Dominic. I love Dominic. But uh, 12 o'clock, I'm asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Governor Cuomo. And uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Uh, Let's take a, a break right now, and we'll be right back. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! Here with the great John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, our company president. Good morning, everyone. And this hour, we have another great hour coming up for you. The one thing that you can tell, we are live, we are local on this holiday, and we are on it. This hour, we will talk with Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, and the legendary Janine Pirro. But we want to start out with another Andrew. We just spoke, Mr. Katsimatidis, to former Governor Andrew Cuomo. This time we have another Andrew. We have uh, Andrew Giuliani, uh, who ran for governor, and uh, his father was the uh, the mayor in the city of New York that saved the city of New York. And and uh, uh, Andrew Giuliani uh Tell us about uh, what are you doing on this rainy day? Well, John, Chad, uh, Dominic, thank golf. you very much for having me. Today, it's not really a golf day today. <laughs> it seems like it's a good day to be a duck. I'm actually looking at my daughter right now and a happy Yom Kippur to all of those that celebrate. And I have to tell you, John, you know, I really, really am proud to be part of the WABC family for what you just showed, I think, over the last half hour, that WABC really is the premier public square, not just in New York City, not just in New York State, but all around the country. Because there are very few places that would put on Andrew Cuomo immediately followed by Andrew Giuliani. And the fact well, that WABC does that. 
<laughs> we are both named Andrew. That's exactly right. You're absolutely right. But you understand what I'm talking about. And I yes. think it's so important to our First Amendment, to our free speech that you would do that. And I got to tell you, there are a couple things that I agreed with. And you might have made some news with Andrew Cuomo when he said, it was all his problem regarding Biden and the administration in terms of what's going on in New York City now with the immigration crisis. I have to agree with him. However, there was something that he did not mention, which is the fact that he was the one that called ICE thugs and actually sent a cease and desist letter to ICE in April of 2018. So when he talks about politicizing this issue, I have to say I think Andrew Cuomo might have been the first person to politicize this issue before it became a real well, problem. Well, let me meet somebody who doesn't make mistakes, and uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not saying you didn't make mistakes. Okay, let's move on. I did not mention <laughs> So, So, Andrew, what, what's on your mind uh, politically these days? I mean, obviously we're all disgusted with the uh, migrant crisis, but what 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 are some of the things that you're following closely, and what do you make of the poll that shows the uh, Washington Post ABC shows uh, Trump up yeah, that's ten the points? Interesting question. Yes, it yes. is. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, President Trump uh, uh, texted me or called me uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon to, t- to point out that the Washington Post was going to report that Saturday night, and I'm sure he called you or texted you. Uh, also, uh, tell us about the poll. I mean, that, that is big news. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yesterday I covered some of this on my 2 o'clock show, and I spoke to President Trump last night about this poll specifically. We went through some of the cross tabs on this. And i I got to tell you, if you dig deeper into this poll, one of the reasons why I think this is so significant is if you look at the polling respondents, they actually, in the 2020 election, were for Biden, 50 percent to 46 percent, which kind of matched the popular vote around the country. I believe the popular vote was 51-47, so also a plus four Biden margin. So the fact that that group, which was plus four Biden on Election Day or Election Month of 2020, is now plus 10 Trump, a 14-point swing, really shows that right now at this point you have to see that the country is fed up with the Biden administration and what they're doing. And if you dig deeper in the economic numbers, which, Sean, I know you've really been pointing out, especially from an energy perspective, I mean, 87% of Americans are unsatisfied with the current condition of pricing in America for our energy. And for groceries, 91%. From an economic standpoint in general, only 23% of Americans are satisfied with where we are right now. And I think that's why President Trump is looking better and better coming to November of next year. But when you say the things that I'm looking at, I'm looking at what does it actually look like in the states of Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Michigan, in Wisconsin? Because we all know 42, 43 of the states are pre-decided. We know Biden will win New York. We know Trump will likely win Texas. And, and you can go through the first 40 states. It's about eight to 10 states. And how does Trump poll in those states? Right now, it looks good. But it's certainly not decided yet at this point. Well, it's certainly not decided. And uh, uh, I guess you're certainly uh, supporting uh, President Trump. And uh, it's good for you to do that. Chad, do you have any questions? Yeah, you know, it was interesting with uh, Andrew um, Cuomo when he was on earlier, right? And he was talking about the migrant issue. And that, those those numbers, John, that, that's like staggering numbers of what? how many 130,000 migrants in New York, right? So – if if that's the case, and they're sending one hundred and thirty thousand, and that's uh, compared to the country, 
What does that mean, Andrew? I'm asking you. What does that mean? Do, don't you think it, it's how New York goes is how the country goes and how the, the world, for that matter, goes? Don't you think it's being done intentionally? Well, yeah, I think there's absolutely something that has to do with that. But I think also we have to keep this perspective. We talk about the 130,000 migrants that have come into New York. Think about a state like Texas where over 4 million of the 6 million have actually come through. So we've literally only gotten about 3% of what the state has Texas has gotten. So if you end up starting to end up sending billions of dollars to New York, what are you going to do to these border states that have taken the overwhelming majority of these migrants and still have the overwhelming majority of these migrants? So I think it's really important perspective to look just how much New York has been overwhelmed by this crisis and then think – What happens if we had 30 times the amount of immigrants coming in, which is exactly what is going on in the Texas of the world, in the Arizonas of the world? And then you really realize just how massive a crisis this is on a national level. It's not just New York City, but Chad, you make a great point. Because New York City is kind of, certainly in our minds, the center of the universe, but definitely the media center of the universe. WABC is based here. And obviously you have some of the other mainstream, what I call sometimes illiberal outlets, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the Fox News base here. We certainly end up looking at New York City and say, okay, what's going on in New York City? And now what's going on in the rest of the country? And the fact that they made this crisis kind of relevant to New York City specifically I think it really was a very smart move politically. Yeah, and and, and I'll tell you, I mean, we're sitting in the studio today, and the, the, you got to see the phones and the, and the boards. It, it's it's it, it's lighting up, you know, especially on a holiday Monday holiday, yeah. right? And to have, and it's not just New York City. We're we're getting calls coming in from California. We're getting from all over the country in other countries as well, Indeed. which is amazing. Indeed. Indeed. Well, 100 percent. And I got to tell you, I I see it on the weekends when I do the Sunday show at two o'clock. I mean, people are really, really passionate about this issue. And I got to tell you, I'm looking at my daughter right now. And when the former governor mentioned the fact that the education system will be crumbling because of this issue, that's one of the things that I really think about as well. And you start to question, is New York City, is New York State the best place to raise your kids right now? And I think the more people that are asking that question – the more people are saying, maybe not. And you're starting to see it with people that are, you know, in their 30s, in their 40s, that are actually going to other places because they're they're asking that question. They're saying, my quality of life may not be as good in New York right now. We do need better leadership in this city, in this state. I know that there's uh, obviously, I know John has good connections here, and I know he's he's trying to get in the right ears, and he does a good job of that trying to give them the perspective. I just wish some of our leaders would listen to John Katz and Matidis a little bit more. That's yeah. what I wish. Yeah. <laughs> How long do you think the turnaround for a turnaround in New York? How long do I think the turnaround? Yeah. I think legitimately it would be a six, a six to nine month turnaround if you had the right leadership. Now, look, I understand that you have a city council that has gone crazy. I mean, you look at some of the stuff that they have push from a legislative perspective, what they continue to do. Think about going after our our police officers' qualified immunity. How could you proactively police if your qualified immunity is taken away from you? You can't. So, you know, it it probably would take a little bit longer than that, but at least to send a signal that, hey, you know, chaos is out the door and we have common sense that's governing now, it would take six to nine months. And then probably after that for the second wave, about 18 months to two years. And then I would think you'd see the city that – uh, you know, so many people look at and know that is the potential of New York, which yeah. is the safest large city in America. Well, it's the greatest city in America. It's a, one of the greatest cities in the world. And uh, I am committed to uh, making sure 
uh, New York City makes a comeback. And, and Dominic, there's 51 out of 51 city council seats up this November in six weeks. And, guys, WABC has to take the lead and say, listen, these are the 51 seats uh, that are open, and we got to talk about it. I mean, uh, people, more than 17% of the people have to show up at the polls and say, yeah, enough is enough. Indeed. And, Indeed. And, 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 and people have to realize it. And over the next six weeks, I think WABC, Chad, should mm-hmm. make a bigger impact out there and say, look, I don't care if they're Democrats. I don't care if they're Republicans. I want common sense. Common sense, yes. You know, there, there's a common sense uh, uh, Democrat, uh, Holden is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he has a lot of common sense. And, and we have common sense Republicans. So let the common sense Democrats, the common sense Republicans, get together and say, enough with these crazy socialists. And indeed, that, that that does appear to be the case. And and a large, I, I'm going to be more blunt and direct. Some of these members of the city council need to go, plain and simple. Yes. We need common sense. Andrew Giuliani, we thank you for joining us live. Always great to chat with you. Yes. Hey, Andrew. Right, we i got to take a break. Okay. They're yelling at us at the control booth. <laughs> Andrew, if you want to stay on to tell us, give us your answer, stay on, but just sure. take that hard break. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Let's finish up with Andrew. And it is 8.25 a.m. Dominic Carter here with John Katsimatidis. Sid has the morning off. It's raining throughout the tri-state area, but we are here with you folks live, and we are chatting right now with Andrew Giuliani uh, finishing his thoughts. Andrew, are you still with us? I'm still with you guys. And, again, I think it's part of the thing that WABC has that role to play, and this is where – I think John has done such a great job making it really the best public square in the country. The fact that all different viewpoints would be represented. And guess what? The people then get to decide. They get to listen to all different sides of the of the debate. And then the people get to have the most information possible. And I always believe when the people have as much information as possible, they make the best decisions. And that's why it's so important, whether you're listening to state leaders to national leaders or to potential city council members that you do that. And that's what WABC does so well. All right, Andrew, thank you. We have to take you off because we have somebody important on. We have uh, (laughs) your dad, uh, the former mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, are you there? I'm here, John. How are you? This is father and son. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you can hear hear your granddaughter on the the background. I just saw her on the air. She's getting so big. She's getting so big and she's getting so smart. Oh, well. Hey, Mr. Mayor, it's it's uh, Dominic Carter. I got to tell you that I have observed your son with his daughter. And, you know, he to see him with his daughter, he, he spends uh, a lot more time uh, with her than it seems like most men. And it's just it's interesting to watch Andrew with with his uh, with his daughter. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, yeah, I know. Because you, you remember when. Well, you remember he was just about a little bigger, but about that age. And when Caroline was yes. that age, remember? Yes, I do yeah. remember, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> hey, Mr. Mayor, so so this, uh, you know, they're calling their own poll an outlier. But, you know, so so you show that. I, I, I had to look at the dictionary. What's an outlier? 
Right there. I, I mean, I, you, I, when you call, that's a good question. Uh, what, what, I mean, what's an outlier? I never heard that word before. It's something the Democrats don't like. Right, right. <laughs> that, 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 that's what it like. means. It's like it's like they're they're pouring water on their own poll because it shows Trump up ten points. Is that I a fair think, assessment? I think the American people are just finally getting fed up. I mean, I enough is enough. Pollster. I tell you, I, I wouldn't want to be that pollster. One guy when I was running for president, John. A Times guy wrote a really good article about my knowledge of foreign policy. They sent him to Afghanistan. I hope the kid lived. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, well, Mr. you know, I mean, uh, we were just talking about that with Dominic. Uh, I, if I went to West Point, I would have been in the class of 1970. And 90%, I've been told, uh, of the class of 1970, graduating uh, class, uh, got passed away in Vietnam. Oh, gosh, you can't. Um, ooh, I just saw a bunch of the kids yesterday at the Tunnel to Towers March, you know, Tunnel to Towers Run, and they look like, John, they look like, they look like babies. And they're seniors. They're going to go off, to, you know, they're going to go off next year. They look like they're 12 years old. My God. The they're same babies. way with the NYPD. They yeah, look so much thing. younger. Right. I mean, I can't yep. believe how yep. young they look. Well, we have to depend on them, right? And, John, my, my son is absolutely right. You've made ABC like a, I don't know, like a, an oasis in a, in, a, in a desert of censorship. Well, like I, I, take, I take credit with Governor Pataki for getting him elected. I gave you my airplane to go up and, 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 uh, and campaign for, uh, a Mario Cuomo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you worked that out for us. So now we, <laughs> True story. So now we're all, isn't wow. it great, John, that we're, we're all friends now? He even is. Dominic, even Dominic, who used to drive me nuts. Remember when Dominic used to drive me nuts? <laughs> and, and me <laughs> and Rudy, me and Rudy had a slugfest for about 10 minutes at, during the Hannock period. Yep, yep. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, let's blame Tony Carbonetti on that. Who knows? I, we do. We've got to find somebody. We've got to find but somebody. Like, is, uh, one fact. of the guys went to jail. I forget, uh, Sorrent or somebody like that. But, but other than that, me and you, we love each yep. other. And we have the same, all, of the, all the people you just mentioned, we have the same objective. We want a great city. We want a great country. Yes. We might have slightly different ideas sometimes, but we usually can figure them out, and we respect each other. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and uh, look, it's, it's just it's a great country. I, uh, I talked to uh, President Clinton on Saturday, and, and he's going to come on the show, I think the Sunday show next week. And, uh, look, I, I, I believe everybody should have uh, uh, the ability to, to talk. This is, this is the United States of America. Everybody should yeah, have yeah, the yeah, right yeah. to talk and, and tell people how they feel like. Well, that's the Greek background, John. You know, when Andrew mentioned the public square, the public square is what Socrates started in Athens. <laughs> and he let all the young men, he let all the young men, he let all the young men of Athens come and express their viewpoint. And then he, very slowly, by letting them talk, he straightened them out. But he wouldn't lecture them. You know, they call it, call it the Socratic method because the professors don't lecture. They let you develop your thinking. And it goes way back to Socrates and Plato's dialogues and it's the Greeks that gave us that. So that's in your blood, my friend. We got two minutes before we have to take a hard break. And 
uh, and Andrew Cuomo asked me, what's a hard break? I said, a soft break is when you get rid of people you don't want. A hard break is something that you have to take. So we got two minutes. You. <laughs> two, two, we got two minutes. What would you like to tell the, the American people this morning? Well, I hope I, I am a Republican who hopes we get this uh, country. You know, we, 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 we do the continuing resolution. Uh, right now, the focus has to be on defeating Biden. I would probably, if that wasn't the case, I would vote for the toughest continuing rev- resolution possible. Cut spending, cut the border, stop the garbage at the border, make sure it's uh, uh, secure. Right now, though, I don't want to give the Democrats any victories. I'll give so you my dream. Be- I control the borders on the fentanyl. They're killing 100,000 Americans a yeah, year. And, and, and open up Ellis Island and... Uh, I believe in immigration, but we should monitor. Uh, remember me, we, we used to be mean Bill Fugazi. You were one of the honorees and, uh, I was. uh, and, uh, protect our borders. Immigration, yes, but let's, uh, let's protect who's coming and going. No terrorists, no, uh, uh, drug Please. dealers, uh, and, uh, yeah. the same way that when they came from Italy or when they came from Greece or when they came from, from uh, from Ireland, wherever we need an Ellis Island, so we kept the sick people out. Not not just the crooks. Yes, we kept the sick people out. You can't and put those kids. You can't put those, uh, the sick kids right next to the healthy American kids because uh, the American kids are going to get sick. Of course, absolutely, it makes sense, and it it, it brings people back to a, a love of immigration like we used to have. You and I, you and I, when I was mayor, you you were part of a group. We we fund we funded and we did a big immigration uh, uh, program to to further legal immigration. We got to explain legal immigration so it doesn't get ruined by illegal immigration. Mayor Giuliani, we, we we're short on time, but I I really have to ask you this question. So you were, and I again I can state this from perspective, having covered you and and uh, and at times we were uh, strong nemesis in terms of going after each other, if you will. But but as I look back retrospectively, you were the, in my generation the greatest mayor ever of New York City. How would Mayor tough, yes, but effective? How would Mayor Giuliani handle the migrants that are coming to the city if you were the current mayor? Yeah, separate himself from politics, like I did with Cuomo and some other. Just separate myself from politics. Forget about the, in, in his case, the Democratic Party, and go all at it for New York. I mean, I would go, I would go up against Biden and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support an opponent of yours if you don't close that border in two weeks. I'm gonna support a Republican, uh, a Democrat, but. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm, I'm going to make it a miracle. I'm going to see if I get New York City to vote against you, Joe. This is not about me and you. It's about the people you're getting killed in my city. A hundred percent. That little one-year-old that died, you killed him. Listen, I, I know Joe Biden for 40 years, maybe longer, and, and he's not the same Joe Biden we knew 40 years ago, Rudy. Then, talk, then give me the guy that's making the deals. Don't Stop the bull. Let me talk to the guy who's making the deals. Uh, get rid of the middleman. Yeah, uh, yeah. but the sad. very, very tough. sad. Adams has got to get. Adams has got to get tough, and he's got to forget about being a Democrat for a and while. The, the, well, uh, they took Mayor Adams. That's a, the, uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, uh, 
uh, defended Mayor Adams. They took uh, uh, they took uh, uh, Mayor Adams off the good list in uh, in the White House, and uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's sad. But he's got to he's got to put it all on the line. And, and at, at some point, Rudy, at some point, and uh, Andrew uh, Cuomo agrees, at some point, New York City and New York State are going to run out of money. And uh, yeah. n- no, nobody uh, has been saying that yet. Well, you cannot support the political party that's doing that to you. You have to go up against him. He's vulnerable right now. You, you go tell him. I'll go. What do you think he's going to look like if I support a, a Republican for, for President Joe? Uh, not going to be. You're looking pretty bad right now. The outlier may become the real pole if I do that. Yeah, interesting, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, thank you. As always, thank you. You know, Mr. Katsimatidis, uh, we've got to take a break. And coming up, we've Vito Fasella is going to be coming up, right, and he just president. texted me. He just texted me. He says, uh, "I was an Ellis Island honoree too, Italian Look Irish." At that. Look Vito at that. Fisella. Next half hour, Congresswoman Malia Takis, the great Janine Pirro. And I, I have a question that I want to ask you. We're going to save it, but it's, okay. it's it, because I watched you the other day when you were on the Fox Business Channel talking about the United Auto Workers strike. I want to talk to you about that. And uh, I think the White House is helping destroy the auto workers. And the funny thing is President Biden is going to go march with them. And I, I, I want to make a disclosure to everybody who doesn't know what the heck is going on. We'll do exactly that. The morning show, Sid Rosenberg has and the we'll day off. And we're going to beat up after the break. Time. And we will be right back. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I see trees of green. Red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, I love some of those songs. I, I it's tell a great you, song. I mean, uh, somebody's picking good songs this morning. It must be Matt Meaney. It's a great song. Everybody else took off. What happened? All of Sydney's crew went off. Is, 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 is Sid having a, uh, a party this morning or what? You know, Sid, Sid Rosenberg has the morning off. John Katzimatini's here. And, and Dominic Carter. And we got Vito Fasella, the borough president of... Uh, of Stat- the great uh, Staten Island, and and uh, he's got machine gun turrets set up and uh, on on uh, the, on the bridge. To make sure he defends bur- the the borough. Vito, what's going on? I understand there's a lot of crime in the borough now. There's a, there, there's drag races up and down the streets at five o'clock in the morning. What the heck is going on? Yeah, well, we have cannons set up at Fort Wadsworth uh, to to protect us, John. They haven't been used in two hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting. We got the we got the fuse. We got it ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just listening to that great. You had a great interview with with Rudy, and just reminiscing about um, the Ellis Islands when I was privileged to get it. You know, it was a beautiful night, and it was really a reflection of the sacrifices that sort of like your family, my family, made to come to this country and and give us a better life and do it in the right way. And frankly, that night. We actually had, my wife Mary Pat and I had dinner with Joe Garagiola and Yogi Berra uh, and their wives. And it was just a really beautiful reminder of how great this country can be. And now we see the world sort of upside down where we're opening up the door saying, come here, come for free. We'll put you up. We're going to bankrupt the city. 
and you have the residual effects of that uh, in the Travis section of Staten Island just the other night where there's a migrant shelter, people just taking e-bikes and drag racing and destroying the quality of life, not just in that section, uh, but other places around Staten Island, Midland Beach, Aracar, and there's no end in sight. And frankly, one of the things we have discussed recently is begin to study the idea of secession and the financial feasibility of an independent Staten Island, uh, because we have very little leverage and very little recourse with some of the things that are taking place, from high crime to uh, to the migrant issue and, and other things. And I think the people of Staten Island deserve just an honest assessment of what's best for them, their families, and their future. No doubt about it, Borough President Fasella. And so it, it, this succession uh, movement, we heard this before, I think, in 89 with Dinkins, and it didn't happen then. How realistic, in your opinion, is it this time? We, we don't know, Dominic, and, and two things. One, uh, I just want to re- remind everybody that the, the blessing that when John and Margo bought this station, it allows people to just get up, and uh, Rudy put it nicely, the, the public square, and just disseminate ideas. Absolutely. And get it off your chest. That's the important and, thing. And then let people decide what's best as opposed to canceling and shutting people down. And and what happened in 93 was the people of Staten Island overwhelmingly supported secession, about 65%. And ultimately, the state legislature squashed it, even though they gave the people of Staten Island, hey, if you, you support this, we'll let you go. And they snookered us, and they killed it. But with good governance, whether it be Rudy and then followed by you know, Mike Bloomberg, Staten Island sort of had a seat at the table. We closed the Fresh Kills landfill. We were... Uh, we were listened to. We were no longer the forgotten borough. But that's changed in the last 10 years on, on the most part. And, uh, you know, who knows? Oh, I, I think we, we have so many compelling reasons to at least begin the conversation. And let's see where this road takes us. Let's put it that way. Uh, Vito, uh, we got another two minutes. What would you like to tell the people of the city of New York and the people of Staten Island I mean, we all love the city of New York. This congestion pricing is a bunch of crap. Pardon my language. Agreed. Because Agreed. you know what I said to the governor and I said it to everybody? And I said it to all the people that that committee that supposedly the MTA is paying extra board fees to to, 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 to say what they're saying. And I hate that. I hate that when our, I hate when our spokespeople are, are bought. They're bought. And, and yeah. you know what I said? We, Manhattan has one nail in the coffin already. Why don't you I, wait for a recovery before you put another nail in the coffin? Or two nails in the coffin, yeah. right? With the migrant crisis and congestion pricing, but two nails. And, uh, and the bottom line is this. I just think you have to give a reason for people to want to stay in New York and come to New York. And there are those who want to stay and come to but you're not making it easy. When you have the migrant situation, when you say to the people of Staten Island who have to pay two tolls already to get into Manhattan, so you may have to pay a third one on top of that, at some point you're not making life better for them. And that's not what government and public service should be about. You should be figuring out ways to make things better for people. People make for their families to work, to get, to enjoy themselves, to have a little time, as opposed to every day they wake up, it's almost like another punch to the head. 
and and that's not the way I believe things should be be working. Uh, and and let's let's get good people around the table who can say what are we going to do to make things better as as opposed to making things worse. That's that's the bottom we, line. We agree. Vito Fasella, keep fighting for the people of Staten Island. You're a great guy, and and uh, I remember those days on Ellis Island, and when you got the medal from Bill Fugazi. Right. And uh, God bless you, and God bless America, and we'll catch up again real soon. You got it, John. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And now we have another Staten Island person. We got Nicole Malutakis. Nicole, this is uh, uh, a, a Jewish holiday, and uh, uh, and. Uh, what are you doing today? Are you going? Are you visiting some of your friends at synagogue? Well, actually, first of all, let me let me wish everyone uh, a, a great holiday this uh, this holiest day. And and let me also say that I will actually be joined today by a ninety five year old Korean War veteran who was forced to leave Island Shores, a, a assisted living facility run by. Homes for the Homeless, a nonprofit organization. He and other seniors were forced out of this facility a few months ago. And then this organization turned around and cut a shady deal with our mayor to turn it into a migrant shelter, believe it or not. And so this 95-year-old Korean War veteran uh, will be joining me today uh, because it's truly outrageous how the city is cutting these lucrative deals with these entities, it's coming at the expense of taxpaying citizens who are losing uh, their, whether it's their homes, whether it be their schools, like we see with St. John's Villa on Staten Island, it should be turning into a thousand seat classroom, whether it be their parks. And as you know, I'm joining Joanne Ariola in Queens in a lawsuit to stop our federal parks from being taken over uh, into, and turned into encampments. Uh, so this has to end, John, but we have to keep shedding the light on what is going on and keep putting pressure on this mayor to stop misinterpreting New York City's right to shelter law. And more importantly, put pressure on Senator Schumer's and Gillibrand to pass some type of border security measure like the one that we passed in the House in May that would end this today and undo President Biden's executive orders that created this mess. Congresswoman, it's uh, Molly Atakis, Dominic Carter here with Mr. Katsimatidis. You know, you have been fighting the good fight uh, on a number of issues, but in particular on, on congestion pricing, on migrants. I, I want you to pull out your crystal ball for a second, I, as much as you can remove politics from this. Why is Mayor Adams doing what he's doing on the migrant issue? I don't see this as a net gain. It's a major loss and if he's not careful, you know, re-election's coming up. Why would he anger the constituents in the way that he's doing? Yeah, uh, well, look, I, I think that uh, maybe the mayor came from a, a place of compassion at the beginning. Uh, I, I disagreed with his assessment from the very beginning that this was uh, not about compassion. It was about doing what is in the best interest of the taxpayers of New York. But he opened up a can of worms, and this has gotten completely out of hand. Um, you're taking away resources from taxpaying citizens. You're spending their money uh, in this way that they do not want. Um, you're cutting city services across the board. The idea that he even mentioned that we're going to cut counterterrorism in the NYPD, that, that is outrageous. Um, and this is not something that we can bail you out of. I mean, the reality is the federal government doesn't have money either. We have a $33 trillion debt. That's what this fight right now in Washington is all about. We need to cut excessive, wasteful spending 
We need to secure the border. And those are that is exactly the showdown you're seeing taking place uh, this month in Washington. We got a minute left, Nicole. What, what else would you like to tell uh, uh, New Yorkers and people of Staten Island? And you also represent Brooklyn. Yeah, look, the people of Staten Island and Brooklyn are fed up. And so to Dominic's point, I think this will affect the mayor. And, and, and look, I've never – look, people have to stop caring about the politics and just do what is right for your constituents. That's the bottom line here. We see the mayor, the governor, the president doing things that the citizenry is saying they do not want. And so, unfortunately, Dominic, you know, I've got num- five different lawsuits right now against uh, the various levels of government on behalf of my constituents who are fed up, whether it be congestion pricing, the, the migrant shelters – election law changes, trying to redistrict the lines again for the congressional elections, all of these things, uh, we have to go to court and fight because our mayor and our governor and our president aren't doing the right thing. Well, so people just got to remember election time. That's what I'll say. Thank you, Nicole Majotakis, Congresswoman uh, from Staten Island and Brooklyn. And we're going to be taking a break right now and come back with Judge Janine Pirro. Is Sid and friends in the morning for my friends? Seventy-seven WABC. Breaking news: WABC. Well, we always report breaking news. Sophia Loren has an emergency surgery this morning after falling in her home in Switzerland, and uh, she was one of my favorite actresses. And Dominic, I I hope she's okay because she she's, she's a, she was a great lady. Indeed, uh, known worldwide, and it's it's tragic what's happened. Do we know her condition as of right now? Or not no, yet? we don't know her condition yet. Uh, but um, let's all well, hope, well, hope well, and WABC pray for the best. will report in the next hour or two whenever we get additional information. And now we have with us Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly at nine oh seven a.m. Along with our, uh, uh, he's our host on WABC every day, Monday through Friday, from. One o'clock to three o'clock he has great ratings with us, and uh, he also works for another uh, station somewhere. I don't even know the name of it. Uh, Greg <laughs> Kelly, it was good to have dinner with you on uh, on Saturday night. Oh my goodness, John! What an honor! Thank you very much. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Dominic. And uh, oh boy, I uh, I learned uh, I learned from you guys that Sophia Loren is in trouble. I I met her about twenty three years ago in New York. The most beautiful woman. I remember her as a kid. You, you didn't pinch her behind, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, believe it. I even in you know even Italian in women. In, Italian women in Italy feel it's an insult if you don't. <laughs> yeah, you, you know those Italian men. I mean, you really gotta you gotta pan it to those Italian men. I mean, what 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 is me too like over there? They were doing that. <laughs> they're kind of they're pretty they're pretty aggressive. Those well, guys. the me too I, women should put on a big button and say. Me too. Don't pinch my behind. <laughs> John, I don't, no, nobody's pinching anybody's behind All right. these days. Okay. And, uh, wow, wow, wow. No, I. Anyway, I, I, I really am blown away by that information. I'm sorry. I mean, she was just yeah, she the was most great gorgeous. Lady. She woman. is a great lady. Wow. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, good morning. It's uh, crummy out here, raining. There's drilling all over the place. Uh, uh, yelling, and but it's also peaceful. You know, it's peaceful because of the Jewish holiday. And then there's nobody on the highways. There's nobody on uh, on Third Avenue here. We're, uh, we're we're looking out the window, and it is a quiet day. A lot of people are taking off. And uh, don't forget the the uh, the population of uh, 
uh, of New York is, um, what is it, like 17% Jewish or whatever? But the phones are ringing in the studio, John. The phones are ringing. Our ratings are higher than Sid's. (laughs) What the heck, you know? Hey, Greg, what's, buddy, you and I go back to our New York One days together. What's on your mind issue-wise? Is it migrants, which is the same as the rest of us? What, What are you following? Well, really what's top of mind for me right now, and I kind of made a little headway on this story, is General Milley, the treachery of General Milley that he is now apparently confessing to, but he's not framing it as a confession. It's almost if he's bragging. General Milley is the outgoing chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. His last day on the job is Friday. And we are learning more and more about what he did to undermine Trump. Uh, But more than undermine him, it's almost as if he ran an organized plot to remove a duly elected president. Um, He told The Atlantic magazine that uh, he was working on this in the summer of 2020, that he was focused on January 6th and August of 2020. He was telling people in the media, we know Trump is crazy. We're not going to let him get away with anything. Don't worry. We're going to take care of this. It's incredibly troubling. You know, there's all this thing about Trump running a coup, which is phony. You can't run a, it. Just it's 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 ludicrous. He had every right to object to the election, and as far as I'm concerned, and actually I think as far as America is concerned, there have been so many lies told about him and what and about what happened. I'll just give one example, and actually Trump pointed this out. Just a small lie, but it's a big one. Or maybe technically it's not a lie, but it's if you leave it out, what is it? Trump is beating Biden by about nine points in this new Washington Post poll. And it's the first story on uh, this week with Martha Raddatz and George Stephanopoulos. And they don't mention that. (laughs) They mention the poll. They mention this. They mention that. They mention little details. But they don't mention the headline that Biden is losing to Trump by nine points. You can say that's not a lie, but it's a sin of omission. And so these are some of the things that are kind of well. We said that at dinner right. at dinner the uh, on Saturday night. We said that uh, I don't know many people that have the capability that President Trump has to to, to do uh, knockout punches. Is there any of the candidates in the Republican Party is capable of giving Trump a knockout punch? No, no, certainly not on the Republican side. And I mean, the Democratic right. side, the Department of Justice is trying to give him a knockout punch, which is. I mean, horrible. You know what I've said publicly, uh, Greg? I said the elections are in 14 months. Let the people decide who uh, uh, who's guilty and who's not guilty. Well, they got to be really panicking for indictments and, and, and look at what it has happened to Trump. I mean, he's getting stronger and stronger. Um, and I think that means they're panicking right now. Um, I just heard a little while ago that Joe Biden is convinced that he can be the candidate. He's running. People have tried to talk him out of it. But he thinks he's the only person in the country who can beat Trump. Um, I think he's wrong about that. I mean, I, I, first of all, I think Trump's unbeatable. But if you see his performance on a day-to-day basis, uh, how can they go on like this? It's I, bad. It, it's it's it, bad, it's, Greg. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's really bad. Hey, I'm curious, friend, uh, the Republican debate, the second one in California, I believe on Wednesday, uh, uh, Mr. Trump is not going to be there. What are you expecting to see? I think it's going to be more of the same where no one's going to make a dent. And can you say, Ron DeSantis, what happened to this guy? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to watch. I, I'm not, I have not much in the way of expectations. 
they're uh, probably going to go after Ramaswamy again. Um, but it's kind of all for naught. It doesn't mean anything. You know, these people, I think, are all in the single digits as opposed with DeSantis is the one exception at 13 points. So it doesn't really matter what they do amongst themselves. You know, it'll be interesting to watch. But what difference is it going to make? And I don't think Trump should go. He has almost nothing to gain and, and, and plenty well, to like lose. Well, like Bill O'Reilly says, if you're 40 points ahead in your primary why why, why uh, show up at the primary? There is no primary. I think he's right. And uh, I would live tweet or live truth or something like that. Look, I'm not a political and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to give him advice. But, yeah, I, I just <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome when you think about it. And it's kind of inspiring, I think, to the rest of us. You know, people go through you know, little challenges here and there and. um you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, life can be tough. Well, look at what they're doing to Trump and and look at how he's thriving. And it's it's really something to behold. This is a lucky t- I, I say this is a great time to be alive, <laughs> to watch what's happening and to come, and to be a part of it. Um, I don't, we have never seen nor will we ever see anything like this again. Greg Kelly, thank you for coming on. I have a great show. What time are you on today? One o'clock to three o'clock? Yes, sir. One o'clock. And uh, thank you for one what are you going to be talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my way to the office. Look, uh, it, all right. Uh, yeah, when you figure it, it out, let us know. <laughs> thank you, John. Thank you, uh, uh, Dominic. Thank, thank you, Chad. We'll see you all later. Bye bye. Okay, that was a great dinner we had with uh, Lolly Weymouth, too, uh, from the Washington Post. And, and the one thing about Lolly, she's still disappointed her family sold the Washington Post. And I, I love her dearly, and I would be disappointed. They never, t- her family never told her. Wow. When they were when they were selling it, and they so how did she find out after they sold it? Wow. And uh, I, I feel bad about that. I would have hey, bought it. We, we've got to take a break, but I've been let's wa- take a break. Yeah. Okay, but I want to ask you about the auto workers strike. So let's do it when we come back. We have uh, uh, Steve Moore, cousin Brucey, Rita Cosby, James Golden. At some point, I want your take on the United Auto Workers strike. Yes. Biden is going to join them on the picket line. And let's see if Steve Moore calls in. I understand he's in uh, uh, Oklahoma City with the, the, uh, an energy conference with Harold Ham. I was supposed to be there, too, but uh, I'm here. I got to work for a living. And we're glad that you're with us on this Thank holiday you. morning. It's raining, but we've got it going live right here. Dominic Carter with the great John Katsimatidis and for Sid Rosenberg. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Good morning, 9.21 a.m., 9.21. John Katsimatidis in for Sid Rosenberg, myself, Dominic Carter. Mr. Katsimatidis, the other day, I like to watch the uh, Fox Business Channel just so I can learn a little bit more about business. I watched the other day, and you're a frequent guest there. And you were on, and you were talking about the high cost of oil. You've been warning the price America. of oil went up again because of the fact, and Steve Moore will talk more about it. Uh, Russia and OPEC nations announced that they're cutting production. So the question was, why did President Biden go to Alaska and cut production? 
And it, it forced oil back to Brecht up to like 94, 95, 96 dollars a barrel. And then Powell, Secretary Powell, uh, uh, doesn't know what he's doing because with oil going up again, you're going to have $5 gasoline. You're going to have three and a half dollar heating oil. You're going to have, uh, 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 food going to go higher. Why does he cut oil production? And you have $96 oil. And he, Powell doesn't have a clue. One thing I learned from watching you on the Fox Business Channel is that oil basically involves everything. Everything. And I, 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 I honestly, Chad Lopez did it. not know that. I did not. Yeah. I know we have a guest, but, but I, before we get to Mr. Moore, I want you, the United Auto Workers strike is ongoing. Biden the is going to be on a picket line yes. with them. The government is, uh, trying, the White House is trying to force General Motors, uh, Ford and the, ele- and the companies to, to make more electric cars. The American people are not buying them. You, you talk to, talk to any, uh, uh, person that, uh, in, in the country with, uh, automobile outlets. They're stuck with electric, electric. Wow. And guess what? Ford announced that they lost four and a half billion dollars last quarter on, uh, electric vehicles. Uh, General Motors lost three, four billion dollars. So if they weren't losing so much money, maybe they can give the auto workers a raise. And the other thing they're not telling the auto workers is the fact is uh, electric cars, you need lot less labor to uh, to build them. And guess what? If electric cars keeps getting pushed by the government using taxpayers' money, they're going to lay off 20 30% of the UAW. Let's go to Steve Moore. Steve Moore, you know, you, you watch the details more than my, I do. I look at the big picture. You tell us what the heck is going on. Well, good morning, John. And, and, you know, you summarized the situation very well. You know, I'll just correct one thing you said. You said we may be looking at $5 a gallon gas. I just got back from California. They're paying 6 bucks a gallon in California. Oh, my so God. The, the, the price of gas keeps – now, California is a special case because they pay about a dollar a gallon more than the rest of the country because they're crazy environmental and green, you know, energy rules. But this is a real crisis. I mean, and and you were exactly right what you said on Fox News the other day, which is that when the energy price goes up, everything else goes up because, of course, energy is an input into everything we produce, which is why I could never understand the government came out up with this crazy idea of core inflation, which is the inflation rate not counting in energy and food. I'm like, well, why would you do that? That's what we spend our money on. We spend our money on. The other thing they're trying to do uh, there might be, I, I'm not a, I don't want to be a conspiracy theory, uh, guy. I'll leave that at the Frank Morano at the three o'clock in the morning. Uh, but, but the other thing they do, maybe the White House feels if they raise oil prices high enough, then, then people will buy electric cars. Oh, that's, a, they've been very honest about that. They want the, the oil price to go high because it, it makes the electric vehicles more competitive. Goldman John, Sachs, say- uh, Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan, one of them, Predicted $150 a barrel. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I want to I want ver- to validate something that you just said earlier. You were talking about the uh, the car dealers, and I am 160,000 miles on my car. So a couple weekends ago, my wife and I went out to a bunch of the uh, new car showrooms in the lots. And, John, I experienced exactly what you just said. I, I go out, and there's acres and acres of electric vehicles out there for sale. And I said, well, I don't want an electric vehicle. You've, you've got a regular gas car. 
oh, there's four of them, you know, four of them. And meanwhile, they got hundreds of electric vehicles, and, John, people are buying them. Now, you've been one of the most successful businessmen in New York, and you run retail stores. You can't sell people things that they don't want. That's why the chairman of Toyota said it right. The chairman of Toyota said, I'm going to make electric cars, I'm going to make yep. gas cars, I'm yep. going to make hybrid cars, I'm going to right. make diesel cars. Let the, let the consumer decide what they want exactly. to buy. Exactly. Well, it's sad, isn't it, that our two major American companies, uh, Ford and GM, are basically being bribed by the government to make cars that people don't want. That is a salute. Whatever happened to the salute, by the way, that background noise, by the way, I'm at the Ham Institute. Uh, conference here on energy. Uh, the, all the energy leaders in the country are here, so I'm supposed to be there. I know. I'm. You know, pick up, pick up my here. badge. Make believe I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everybody here is saying nobody can figure out Joe Biden's energy strategy. It makes no sense. We should be producing every single barrel of oil that we can here. We should be producing our coal. We should be. What about our natural gas? We have natural gas. It's the cleanest form of energy. They don't want to produce any of these things. Meanwhile, they want windmills and solar panels that are three or four times more expensive. And the windmills is killing our whales. On yeah. seventy-one. <laughs> whales have died so far in 12 months and i understand that there's only 370 whales left it's it's a it's a pathetic situation we are playing and, and one other quick thing john playing off what you said earlier about the um, electric vehicles guess where the batteries are made china, china. <laughs> we're playing right into the hands of our enemies and you know what and you know, the, and you know what the white house did a couple weeks ago to bribe uh, ford and uh, james farley the ceo they gave him a check for ten billion dollars to to build uh, electric vehicles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, and, and it, look, you cannot sell something. Taxpayer money. You know what they don't understand, John? That Americans have a love affair with their cars. You know that's been true since the nineteen forties. You people don't. Where's that? Where's that GTO music? Vehicles. Where's that? Yeah. G- Go ahead. Where's that GTO music? Sorry, say that again. No, I'm telling the control room. Are you going to? He was going to play the, uh, uh, you know, the gas cars, the GTO. Remember, how does that uh, song go? Oh yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh, you're a Brit. Were you, were you, did you grow <laughs> up with GTOs? And, and we are chatting live with Steve Moore, who's at the Energy Conference. Steve, uh, I'm uh, Dominic Carter. I'm here with Mr. Katsimatidis this morning. Hey, Dominic. So, 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 so I want to make sure I got this right. You said all the energy leaders at the conference all feel the Biden administration is headed in the wrong direction. All of you? Well, I can't say every one of them because there are 250 people here. Wow. Wow. The Biden energy policy is anti-American. Yeah, see, I played the GTO music. I found it faster than the guy in the control booth. Yeah. <laughs> it's baseball, uh, you know, hot dogs and Chevrolet, right? Well, he would know. Cousin Brucey's on the line. He would know GTO uh, songs. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, please give Harold Ham, who's in Oklahoma City, a big oh, hug for man. me. Tell him yep. I had to work today uh, in place of uh, Sid Rosenberg. And I me know. and Dominic are well, we, at higher range. We could get you a jet and you can get here by this afternoon. 
Uh, we don't have that supersonic one yet. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Steve Moore, and uh, okay. look forward to listening to you on uh, right after the Larry Cutler show every More Saturday. Money. More money. Okay. And with us today is Cousin Brucey, the number one icon in rock and roll. Cousin. I'm glad to hear your voice always. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Hey, little Honda, gonna run you down. Hey, how about Maybelline? Maybelline's a real good car song, too. Yeah. Motor cool down. That's when I heard the old highway sound. Hiya. Good morning, John. Good morning, Cousin Dominic. Tell us. Uh, and, good uh, morning. Good uh, morning. You're, you're, you're Jewish. Did you go to synagogue yet? Huh? No. I, it's too early for me. Too okay. Early. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the, the rock and roll era, uh, that that era is never going to go away. Uh, we had a big gala honoring you uh, uh, on September 7th, and people love that music. And uh, the one thing that I, I really felt like when I, when I uh, introduced you and when we talked is when they hear you, your selection of songs, when they hear your songs, they remember where they were, during that song and who they were with. Uh, tell us about, I mean, you're getting phone calls from Australia, from, from Alaska uh, on your Tokyo, show every about, Saturday. Tokyo. Do you love the idea that I have a morning show in Tokyo, John? Is that amazing? Wow. <laughs> wow. Cousin, uh, on our, uh, on your iPhone and your streaming and on, on WABCradio.com, we're in 173 countries now. It's, amazing. it's absolutely amazing. Things have changed so much, John, since you took over and since I came back home to WABC. Uh, there's no such thing as local radio anymore, although we try to keep the feeling of local radio because that's that means home. But today, like you said, 100 and some odd countries, it's absolutely startling. It amazes me how the business has changed and how the community of the world has become one neighborhood. And and, and the one thing, the one thing, cousin, uh, you went, uh, I understand the, the high school I went to, Brooklyn Tech, we had our own radio station, and you took some training there. Yes, well, that's really, I really only got my real good physical training at WNYE, and that's uh, the Board of Education run this station on top of Brooklyn Tech High School. I stayed with them for about three and a half, four years, and that's where I really learned Radio. I almost said my trade. It's not a trade. It's my love. And that's where I really learned to do it. So I have my high school teachers to thank to where I am today, to meeting you. Cousin Brucey, one question, Dominic Carter, one question I want to ask you is how does one stay on top as long as you have for all these years, still relevant, still at the top of the ratings? And I'm curious as to with your legendary voice, how do you protect it? Well, you know, that's a very quick. Yeah, you got me scared. I don't. What <laughs> I don't. you don't? I, you know what? No, you know, I I eat smartly. Uh, I don't drink much. Very rarely. I don't smoke. I've never smoked except maybe in the sixties for a little bit of, uh, shall we say, dessert. You know, but that, but that's about <laughs> it. I'm, I'm, I'm really. <laughs> I hope John was laughing. Then, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you just. You're careful. You're careful. And how do you stay relevant? Well, you know what it is? 
The music is the matter. That's what matters. The music and this audience. This audience came with me. This audience developed plus a new audience. And, and they just love what we play. Like John Joe said, the music is so relevant. The music is so much part of our DNA. It just stays and stays. There's never been a, a, a time of music that has been so relevant and time of music that has, well, lasted so long as this rock and roll era. And like on my shows, I play 50s, 60s, and like I say, a touch of the 70s. And that seems to be the three greatest decades of rock and roll. It works. I, I give it out there. And you know, the love is returned. John was just mentioning we had a uh, a big gala that we saluted his birthday, and, and they saluted me, and I, I'm still processing it, John. I still don't believe it happened. It was like a movie. I, I felt that I was at an inaugural ball. I didn't know what was going on. And so You kept me so busy with people. But you know, the, the bottom line of that room, besides Cipriani's, I mean, which is a magnificent venue, yes. uh, the love in that room, John, you felt it. Everybody like, felt it. So Everybody people. felt yeah. it. And they to see the videos, uh, Cousin Boosie, from all those major stars, and they were all stating that you gave them a shot. I mean, going all the way back to the Beatles. We and, had I mean, a three-minute wow. three video with all the major stars, even Paul Anka, Bobby Bitten, for the last uh, 50 years, and, and Cousin Boosie, they wouldn't be stars if it wasn't for Cousin Boosie. Bottom line. Uh, and they said it. And they said that's it. That's sweet. It's sweet. I, I don't know if I can agree with that, but however, I accept it with great humility. But there was so much love in that room. I will never forget that night. I'll tell you one little thing. People ask me all the time, how was it? Because, you know, most everybody wanted to come. That was the, the most priceless ticket in town on that night. Everybody wanted to be there. And uh, I get the first thing I get from everybody is, how was it? Did you have a great time? And you know what my answer is, John? I don't know. <laughs> you were busy running it. And now, yeah, Chad, are we so putting busy. the video on? Chad, are we putting the video from that night on uh, the WABC website? Yes. I haven't seen it. Yes, the video is done. You got to take a look at it, prove it, John, and we'll okay. put it up. Well, cousin Brucey, maybe you'll make that announcement this Saturday when you're on. We're going to put the video on a, a shortened video mm-hmm. uh, of all the highlights from that yeah. night, and uh, oh, that great. way the WABC yes. audience worldwide. 173 countries will get to see it. One of the reasons that it well, took a little longer, John, was because there were so many famous celebrities and people that were there. We wanted to make sure everybody they was wanted like, a yeah. piece of the action. I yeah. understand yes. Paul Anka gets <laughs> mad when you don't put them in. Thank oh you. God, there were so many people. I loved it. I thank you. I will never forget it as long as I live. That was a, a night I will always remember. And I'm so happy that you're doing the video, guys, because so many people have said, can we see something? We'd like to be there. Very and smart. next year, if they buy a so ticket, smart. we'll have them there. Oh, you're doing it. We're doing this again next year. Same time know. next year. <laughs> I, I gotta. I better get my sleep. You better get your sleep. You take your vitamins. <laughs> but it's Palisades Park. So. Palisades Park. I love that music. Thank you, cousin Brucey. And uh, are we taking a break? Let's yes. take a break, and we're going to come back. Rita Cosby, with Rita James Cosby, my co-host at 5 o'clock.
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, we're back. We're back. And uh, with us uh, now is uh, Rita Cosby, uh, my co-host at 5 o'clock and, and also on every day, Monday through Friday from 10 to 12. And I haven't seen Rita since Friday. And I got to tell her, you didn't call me. You didn't, you, you didn't text me. Uh, you know, I, 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 you forgot what I look like since Friday. Never. How could that ever happen? You are always near and dear to my heart, John. And you know, you and I work 24-7, so there's no way I could go without texting you she multiple times. She texts me times. sometimes at 3 or 4 in the morning. Look, look who just, hey, Rita, you can't see it, but look who just walked into the studio. Margo, DeMarco. Yay, Margo. How fantastic. I missed you. By the way, I did miss you. Rita just said she misses you. I mean, you know, I haven't seen you since Friday. I did miss you guys. I was definitely going through uh, John and Margo withdrawal and Dominic withdrawal, too. I haven't seen Dominic, by the way, since Thursday. So it's been longer <laughs> since I've seen Dominic. Hey, hey Rita, Mr. Katzman, t- tell me one thing over the weekend that you read some of the news that's going on and you said, oh, my God, not, not this again. You know what? I'll tell you one thing I'm up in arms about. I'm so furious about this morning. And and this, to me, is something I'm sure we're going to be talking about more on Katz and Cosby. I can't believe what's happening at our southern border. Uh, the mayor of El Paso, who's a Democratic mayor, guys, just came out and said we are, quote, at a breaking point. Some of the images I've been watching all weekend, it looks like it, it is being overrun. And, and the fact that they have been begging this president, who of course is a Democratic president, saying, "Please come and visit." Please, and help. the mayor Please of Dallas, the mayor of Dallas, said, "Enough is enough." He was it the mayor of Dallas that uh, that said, yes, "Enough is switching enough." Switching parties. Yes, and he's switching parties so much. He's he's a Democrat. He's been a, a Democrat, and he said, I can't take it anymore. I'm becoming a Republican. And I think this is going to be probably this and obviously crime, which is pervasive. We all see it. We all feel it every day. This is going to be a huge issue in the presidential race. There was a new poll that came out, and, of course, uh, you guys, Washington Post and ABC News, who did the poll, are saying it's an outlier, but it has Trump. I had to look up the I had to look up the word in the dictionary. I didn't know what it was. What's an outlier? <laughs> hey, that's what I think Clint Eastwood played that in a couple Is movies. Is that an, out, out, an outlier? <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, in uh, in this new poll, it shows 51 to 42 percent, guys. So it shows Trump edging out Biden. And they say, oh, it's an anomaly. It's, it, uh, they said maybe our poll is wrong. Of that course. can't be, right. of course. But the bottom line is what I think it does show is that the American public, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, people are getting so fed up. They see it with their own two eyes, what's happening at the border, and it really really is at a busting point. It's at a crisis. Eagle Pass, which is right there on the border, is getting 2,000 people every single day. It's a tiny little town, and the border itself is getting about 10,000 a day. We just hit historic highs for the year. We're feeling it in New York. We are busting at the seams, and there seems like no solution in sight. And I just, I, I think it's only going to get a lot worse. There's a whole bunch of arrests that took place this weekend, and New York City's Roosevelt Hotel.
hotel. But we're at a crisis point. And where is the leadership? Well, the fact that the president and the vice president of the United States have only gone to the border for like a little pop in for, uh, you know, for one day. And they only they've only gone one time each. That that is an abomination. That is a dereliction of duty. Rita, I, I don't think people understand your energy level. And by the way, Mrs. Katsimatidis is sitting here uh, listening to everything that you're saying. Margo, but- say hello. I did already. Okay. Said- Hi, Margo. Hi, beautiful Margo. Hi. And Emily, you're, you're, you're keeping quiet. <laughs> Yes, That's not like election. a lawyer to keep quiet. That's <laughs> a lawyer never keeps quiet. They're changing the rules. It's no longer billing by the hour. It's going to be billing by the by the uh, word. <laughs> well, then she should be talking over and over again. Absolutely. And Rita, also the company president, Chad Lopez, is in studio with us. Well, you Rita, you know I'm not going to keep quiet. Oh, you better not, Chad. <laughs> God, he doesn't go by the you, word. Can I say how jealous I am? You have, like, all my favorite people in one room there. That's right. I'm so jealous. That's right. <laughs> well, we'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock. And, and oh, go ahead, uh, Margo. Rita, I have a question. Who do you think is the driving force behind the whole immigrant situation, the migrant situation? That's a great question, Margo. Um, I think, I mean, I, I absolutely think it's Obama. I think it's Biden. I think it's everybody. And I think, it, I think the, it is clear to me, and I, I'm not a big conspiracy person, and John and I have talked about this, as you know, on the show, Margo. I'm not a big conspiracy person, but I can't think of any other reason why they have a wide open border unless they just want them to come here for votes because it's inconceivable. There has to be some sort of plan, some reason why you have the border wide open. It has to be a concerted effort, and I think it goes well beyond President Biden. I think I think there's a group of folks from day one said we're going to bring them in. They just made the Venezuelans half a million of them temporarily legal status, which means they get no, work no, not temporary. They're going to become. They're going to get green cards. I think. Yeah. yeah well, the, and social security numbers, John. I mean, that's you hit it on the head. They're ne- it's never going to wow. be temporary. They're here to stay. So I think it's it, to Margo's point. Which I, is a I hope they're point, legitimate. They're here to stay. I hope they're the legitimate Venezuelans versus the uh, communist Venezuelans. Right. Well, and John, I'm sure they had a great chance to vet them within a few minutes because he just snapped his fingers and said, they're legal. Okay, so I'm sure they vetted them as well as they've been vetting all the other ones on the border. Rita, we'll see you at 5 o'clock. I love you, and uh, we'll, uh, we're, we're going to have a dynamite show at 5 o'clock. Make a list of what we're going to talk about. It's already 20 pages long. You know me. <laughs> all I right. Can't wait. So I, I love you all. I love, love you all. Sounds love great this morning. You guys sound great. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll see you tonight, Rita, as I do every night in studio. You guys have the midnight encounter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the midnight Rita. encounter with, Dominic, with, okay? with Dominic and Rita. But let me let me just say this one. I know we got to keep it moving. This one thing about Rita, she's here working. The moment you're done at 5 o'clock, she starts working on the 10 o'clock show. Wow. And now, who do we have on? James Golden. Our 4 o'clock guy. That's right. That if, if his ratings are down at 4 o'clock, my ratings are down. So, so, so uh, James, you better I keep better your keep ratings going, up. better keep going, right? <laughs> there you go. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Morning. We're doing good. morning. Good. 
We're doing good. Good morning. And, uh, it's a Jewish holiday today, but me and Dominic have higher ratings than uh, Sid has. <laughs> and I can Gotta love that. it. Hey, hey, James, I'm not touching that ratings thing between Mr. Katz and Sid. Now, notice I'm not saying anything. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't hear you on it. Uh, we, love, we love Sid, though. Yes, Sid does a yes, great job. Yes. Well, you know that's right. Yeah, yeah. So no. listen, you know, I'm listening to this discussion on uh, legal immigration, and one of the things that's happening is that when when Venezuela collapsed under their socialist government, many people fled. I mean, you couldn't get medicine, the, the electricity grid was out, etc. The number they have more energy in terms of oil than almost anyone else in this hemisphere, yet they could not even keep their own energy needs going. They fled to Peru. What is happening now is that in Peru, the government is rounding up these Venezuelan immigrants, and where are they sending them? They're sending them here. You know, you know and, the, and the whole thing, you know what the people in the United States have to realize? In 20 years, Venezuela went from the wealthiest country in South America, all of South America, the wealthiest country in South America, the socialists took it down and destroyed yep. the country in 20 years. And those socialists are in, are in the United States right now trying to do the same thing to the United States. And our American left went down and kissed Hugo Chavez ring, literally, and pretended that Hugo Chavez was the great savior of the Western Hemisphere. And right now we, we're seeing the repercussions of what happens when you let a country go uh, socialist. And what did they do? They stacked the courts. They basically pretended that their elections were fair when they were definitely not. And they suppressed speech. Um, you, you look at the patterns, and it's actually scary. Well, I tell the American people, I tell New Yorkers, in six weeks, uh, they have 51 out of 51 city council seats. I don't care if they're Democrats. I don't care if they're Republicans. We need common sense individuals to be in those seats. And and, and that's what WABC is going to do over the next six weeks to make sure common sense individuals win those elections. It is amazing that New York City Council was focused last week with everything going on in New York with the issues concerning the uh, immigrant crisis here in New York, with issues con- that continue to surface regarding crime. It's interesting what they chose last week to focus on were the statues of American founders who they say because they are, quote-unquote, enslavers, those statues need to come down or they need to be amended, plaques need to be put up so that people understand how awful the well, founders of America were. You know, the, the, the joke I tell you, they're going to go to Las Vegas and knock down Caesar's statue. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what else is, is out here? And, and so we're facing this government shutdown again. This is part of the, uh, the, the, the theater that goes on in Washington every year. That's and it's right. going to come back again in December, like it always does near the Christmas holiday, because this is just, Another, it, the government is being funded by a series of continuing resolutions. But what is the chilling thing in all of this, the debt has exploded now. The United States national debt, eyes glaze over as soon as you say it, the debt. But the debt is now at $33 trillion. John, how can you run any kind of business? Oh, I'll put it to any of you. How can you run a business, $33 trillion in debt, I'm gonna no give way you the to answer. repay the debt? Okay? I'm going to give you the answer. It could be twenty. It could be thirteen trillion. It could be twenty-three trillion. It could be thirty-three trillion. It could be forty-three trillion. If there's confidence in the government and the country, it doesn't matter, uh, uh, Bo. 
It doesn't matter. Right now, the problem we have is the confidence level is decreasing. Look at Saudi Arabia. Look at China. They're trying to start their own currency. The confidence level is starting to go in the toilet, and that's the biggest danger we have. The, 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 if there's confidence in Washington, the, it doesn't really matter what those numbers are. They said that at 15 million, they said that at 20 million, they said that at 25 million. You need common yes, sense we, individuals in Washington. Absolutely. But how do you print money where there's no collateral for the money? And as you said, there, there is no confidence Bo, that it can continue. There's a sucker, there's a sucker born every day and there's, <laughs> there's eight billion suckers in this world. Mm. Thank you so mm. much, Bo. We're going to be listening Thank to you, you at four o'clock. Keep those ratings. James Golden, keep those ratings up at uh, 4 o'clock. Doing our job, trying thank our best. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, man. And thank you, Dominic, for being it's here today. It's been great, Mr. I enjoyed Katzman working City's with being you. here with you. It's and great Frank to Morano see your wife. And, Chad. And, and, and you know what What you Margo folks have done. Emily. What Emily, you've done for and WABC. Emily is my coffee supplier. She pushes <laughs> coffee. Pusher. He's my pusher. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. We, we only have seconds left. But I want to ask your wife quickly, Mrs. Katzmatidis. How did you pull this off with your husband at WABC, the success of WABC? Uh, we need to have to go into the next segment to explain that. <laughs> there are no segments, so we'll tune in at 5 o'clock. And uh, thank you all. And, and what do we say at 5 o'clock? You know what we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.